il tentativo, il gol, incredibile, il pareggio dell'Empoli, il pareggio dell'Empoli con Giovinco. This goal was scored by Sebastian Giovinco during his lone spell at Empoli from Juve in the last minute of a match against Roma, which brought the team's level at 2-2. A quick and creative player on the ball, Jovinko is versatile and capable of playing in various offensive positions. Jovinko is a product of Juventus's youth academy and went on to play 93 games for them, finding the back of the net 14 times in the process. His Juventus career was often interrupted by injuries and therefore had loan spells with Empoli and Parma. Now, to everyone's surprise, Jovinko left this area for major league soccer at just 28 years of age, which tends to be a footballer's prime and, on the other hand, MLS is known to be somewhat of a retirement home for popular European footballers. This move mirrors Insigne's move to Toronto, which was actually confirmed this January. He became the league's highest paid player, higher than the likes of Kaká, who represented Orlando at the time. Jovinko won MVP in his first season and also scored a, rec a record 68 goals and 114 appearances in his four-year spell. Jovinko has most recently featured for Al-Hilal in the Saudi Professional League, scoring 12 times in 57 appearances. Now, following Manolo Gabbiadini's ACL injury, it has been announced that Jovinko will be joining Sampdoria immediately. This is the first time he'll be playing for in Italy since 2012, and we're all very excited to see him. So, hello and welcome to episode 24 of Serie A Spotlight. We're your host, Jake. And Matt. And actually, okay, I know we said that we're going to first plug everything before we introduce Grima, but I have sporadically changed my mind. So here we are with Luke Grima, our second guest ever on the podcast. Hey, great to be here, guys. No so problem. Pleasure for those, of you, for those of you who don't know, Grima is an Inter fan. So obviously we're going to be picking on him a little bit here and there. We actually grew up with Grima. We went to school with him in a very posh private school. Yes. Also, if it feels very auspicious that you decided to invite me onto the podcast, just so happens right after the derby defeat. Yes, if um, Inter had beaten Milan, you wouldn't be here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, um, very exciting to launch our new um, website, seriaspotlight.com. You can go check it out. We have a few articles on there. There's an about section. There's You can listen to our podcasts over there. There's our socials. Everything is plugged over there. Um, I have COVID right now, so it encouraged me to work on it a little bit. So we're quite proud of how it turned out. Um, you can go and check it out. And obviously, um, follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, wherever. So in case you guys realize that the sound is a bit different in this podcast, obviously, as Jake said, he has COVID. So I'm staying the fuck away from him personally. <laughs> so I'm at my girlfriend's house right now. So we're recording this online, which gave us obviously the opportunity to have Luke on as well. So yeah. worst things I in the world. I personally moved in with him. Exactly. Ah, yes. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> but well, it's, it's hilarious because everyone was like, oh, no, bro, it's fine. You probably don't have it anyway. I'm sure you and Jake aren't that close bear in mind jake had covid when we were watching inter milan so my tongue was basically down his throat when he scored <laughs> that second goal it's almost as if like he made a deal with the devil <laughs> exactly i'm like okay COVID i'll give you good. i'll give you my birthday weekend and um covid in exchange for a milan victory <laughs> it makes sense well, i'll take that to be honest oh what a it's game. not that bad a trade i would i would have taken it too same of same. course you would have I mean, anything to see 
Inter within touching reach. I'm going seven points clear would have been depressing, to be honest. 100%. What's you guys drinking before we get into the games? So although I said I was going to get a drink, I'm still drinking my coffee. So I haven't <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> We must be an exciting guy, guys. Maybe we'll make it a bit Irish. Maybe oh, make okay. it a bit Irish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> This is oh yeah, this is say up what bro. You have to make it Italian. That's some limoncello. <laughs> what are you drinking, Jay? Uh, I was meant to get a Gatorade, but I forgot. So I'm drinking absolutely nothing, and it's gonna bite me in the ass because I'm gonna end up talking like this. <laughs> I'm drinking Pinot Grigio for all the cool people out there listening. You got damn oh, right. You're a resident alcoholic over here. So I think we should start. What do you think? You ready? Mm-hmm. I'm down. Okay, so the first game we're going to be covering is the massive 230th edition of the Derby della Madonnina between Inter and Milan, which took place, of course, at the San Siro. We do not refer to it as the Stadio Giuseppe Meazza over here. Um, The score was Inter 1, Milan 2. Prior to this game, Inter had only lost one of the previous 11 Serie A meetings against Milan. Now, I'll quickly run you through the play-by-play, and then we can talk about it for 30, 40 minutes, however long you want. Um, in the 38th minute, Perisic scored thanks to a lovely Chalanoglu assist. He was unmarked on the corner. I believe that Kalulu could have done better. He mistimed his jump and missed the ball. Um, Calabria was nowhere in sight as well, and Perisic completely unmarked to just put it in the back of the net cleanly. In the 75th minute, Giroud scored. He started and then did the play. He started the play with a tackle on Sanchez, winning the ball and eventually converted Brahim's deflected effort. In the 77th minute, it was Giroud who scored again an assist by Davide Calabria. It was the Olivier twist, which this episode is actually going to be titled. Um, a beautiful goal, iconic. I think it will go down in derby history. Um, maybe Handanovic could have done a bit better. We'll discuss that later on. In the 94th minute, Theo was sent off for a foul on Dumfries, perhaps tactical, perhaps a rush of blood to the head. We will discuss very soon. So, Grima, first of all, your your thoughts on the game. So, where, whereas you said you would rather talk about this for like 30, 30 to 40 minutes, <laughs> I wouldn't mind speaking about this for just five minutes to try and get out of my memory. But... Um, <laughs> I think from the play-by-play that you discussed, it showed the roller coaster of the game and also probably the roller coaster of my emotions, which was <laughs> mirrored by the roller coaster of both your emotions. Um, I was after the first half. I had actually been quite happy with the with the performance. I think uh-huh. uh, there was a night and day difference between the first and second halves, but mm-hmm. we'll uh, maybe we'll get into that a bit more uh, later on. And uh, in fact, you know, I the- think Inter had. Inzaghi at the end of the game said that Inter dominated the match for about 70% of the match was dominated by Inter. Do you agree with him? I wouldn't say 70%. I would say definitely 50%. So the first half and maybe the opening minutes of the second. But I think there was a huge drain, especially Mm -hmm. in the energy uh, and the performance of Inter as soon as uh, the first substitutions started to be made. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it was. I think it was as soon as Chalanoglu and Kessi left the pitch, the game seemed to take a, a turn to Milan's favor, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, Kessi started the game, and you can see the idea behind it. He was meant to be man marking Brozovic, right? But mm. um, he didn't play very well at all, and you can tell like his head is, is somewhere else, right? Yeah, for sure. I think he's on his he's on his way out. I don't think his heart's in the club anymore. I think it. it you know, it's terrible memories of what Hakan did to Milan. It's terrible memories of what Gija did to Milan. And I think the same thing is going to happen with Kessie, man. I think those three fucking musketeers are best, 
as far from the club as as possible personally is he is he also represented by Rayola? Is he another one of the... No, his um, agent is a family friend and apparently that's a big contributor to the payday he's trying to get. He's trying to sort him and his future generations out um, with, some, with some nice agent fees. Um, yeah, but but there was a, a difference in professionalism. You know, you could see, for example, when Benasser came back from AFCON, within a day he was back in training. Um, Kessie took mm. a few days off and he was heavily criticized for it, to be honest. Um Rightly so, rightly so. The guy wants eight million a year when he he doesn't deserve them. To be honest with you, he doesn't deserve eight million a year. No, I mean he's got the he's got the quality, he's got the physicality. He you know he's a great passer of the ball. He's really grown over the past around four years, I think, with Milan. But yeah, once once you reach the pinnacle, it's it's not okay to just stop there and demand more money. You, you yeah. need to up your game. Your work rate needs to keep increasing. You need to play games whenever you're fit. And I, I don't think Kessie has been doing that for Milan in the past six months. Before that, he was a wet dream for anyone. <laughs> also, I think that this game, um, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, he's, it's, it's taking this more advanced position. I think the idea for me, when I look, when I saw it first of all, was that he would bring that physicality uh, mm. to the game to make mm. up for the lack of physicality maybe that comes out of Giroud and uh-huh. Abramovich. Well, by physicality, I mean the... the Athleticism. The legs. Like, yes. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and Brahim Diaz, to be honest, is direct replacement. Like, you could tell Inter are a very physical team. There's Bastoni, De Vries, Skriniar, Brozovic, even yeah. Barella to a certain extent, and Chalanoglu are, aren't pushovers. And even the wingers, Perisic and Dumfries, everyone yeah, exactly. is strong. Like So you put Brahim in there, you risk... You risk him getting completely lost. Like this is a strong yeah, team, sure. very physical. It's uh, it's a Conte team. It's a very very Conte-minded team. Yeah, uh, Marotta design team. True. Um, yeah. Magic Mike, huh? by the way, is my first awesome. talking point over here. Um, that's like people think like was this an Inzaghi fuck up? And I don't think it was an Inzaghi fuck up. I think that Inzaghi's tactics were good, even with Zeko drifting wide. And kind of crossing, you know, that caught Milan's defenders off guard. They weren't expecting Zeko to take such a wide position on the pitch. Um, but but yeah, basically, Mike kept Milan in the game. No, oh, 100%. Yeah. On multiple I, occasions. I 100% agree. I mean, Giroud might have got the man of the match award for those that quick fire double that broke mm-hmm. my heart. But definitely in the first half, he, he kept them in the game. If he hadn't made those those two stops um, the game would have been completely different Uh, I don't think Milan would have found their way way back into the match the same way they did for Mm -hmm. sure imagine Giroud scored his goals in the first half and Mike pulled off those saves in the second do you think Mike would have got man of the match maybe probably Mm. I think so (laughs) could be yeah it could be, but I don't know. It seems to be much more skewed to <laughs> favor strikers and goals and assists. It's yeah, true. It's true. true. So, and so Mike, speaking of yeah. speaking of goals, in in my opinion, so the first goal by Perisic had me screaming, and not in a good way. I mean the lack of zonal marking that that happened in the box. I think there was a lack of communication, like you said, between mm. Kalulu and Calabria over there. I mean for the ball to sit down perfectly to the inside of Perisic's foot after a corner. That's unacceptable defending, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And and I think that is the one and only defensive mistake we saw from Kalulu and Romagnoli, throughout, well, rather Kalulu and Calabria throughout the game. I'm so used to saying Romagnoli made a mistake. <laughs> like, he's just the first one that comes to mind. Um, but I, I definitely think that was the only defensive mistake Milan, Milan made throughout the game. And other than that, kept their shape really well, man. 
I think yeah. Milan did exactly what they had to do. So I remember you mentioning, Drake, in the beginning of the game, you were saying, as long as Milan don't concede in the first half, then we're absolutely fine. And I think the fact that we only conceded one goal in the first half made it fine for us as well. And then it was that kind of quick turn of events that I kind of compared to the Liverpool game where Rebic just got those goals out of nowhere, you know what I mean? Yeah. But this yeah. time it was Giroud and this time the lead lasted and they didn't come back and bite us in the ass. It's a mentality thing, right? Um, the whole never giving up, persevering, exactly. all those cheesy, horrible cliches that <laughs> seem to ring through. Um, about your Calabria point, I have to say, though, every time I watch Perisic against Calabria, Perisic gets the better of Calabria. Ah, I, I have to agree with you there. It, it's, it's the pace, man. It is literally is it? the pace. I, I can't think of anything else that, that makes Perisic a better player than Calabria. I think, well, it's, it's the pace and the experience, I would say. What do you guys think? I think it's definitely, I mean, Perisic, although, uh, but how, how old exactly is Perisic? I mean, he's, he's in his, his 30s what, now. 32, I think. Yeah, something yeah, like um, that. He still, he still keeps showing his, his physicality. Um, he's got a great head on his shoulders, you know, he's mm. able to adapt to the position. When Conte had first come over, the first thing he said was, you know, Perisic, I have no idea how the hell I'm going to play him. <laughs> we had a few friendlies where he was chucked up front. He was ah, as a striker. <laughs> and he said, listen, he's not positioned for this this left back. And off he went to Bayern Munich, mm. Uh, mm. who won the Champions League, I think. that's <laughs> He's 33 years old. He, yeah. They won the treble yeah. that year. Yep. Mm-hmm. Perisic was in that treble winning team, man. Yeah, no wonder. Then is. he came back with a massive pair of balls. Um, yeah, exactly. I'm not even sure Gossens can directly replace him, considering the form he's in. Paris, which man? No, he's he's just really, really, really adapted well to this uh, position. I mean, over the the course of this year, last year it took him a while to get used to. I felt like as well, because um, he was still trying to adapt to how far he had to track back, mm-hmm. how far mm-hmm. he could linger forward. Now he seems to have found that perfect balance where he's seemingly both supporting the defense at times and um, going in and and just crossing the ball in for for inter's attackers i think he has also in the champions league he was one of the highest crossers one of the top five highest crossers in the cs in the group stage Um, and i mean you can still see his input now he also i also can say that one of the main reasons he's doing so well is because he's got great communication with bastoni they just seem to know Mm. That's true. Who is going to overlap? Who's going to move move along the channel? I mean, Perisic sometimes cuts in and Bastoni will go wild wide to produce the crosses. That's um, true. Yeah, that, that's really interesting to see. And it happens on the other side with Skriniar too, quite often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, we're talking about the battle on the right-hand side between Perisic and Calabria. But let's shift our focus a bit to the other side of the pitch because there was another great battle over there. There was Teo Hernandez mm-hmm. against Dumfries. That is as entertaining as it gets and it shadows last year's competition between Hernandez and Hakimi, which was very exciting as well. And I think Hakimi got the better of Hernandez that time round for the majority of last season. Um, but I think Hernandez takes the cake in this one. I think Hernandez yeah. did a really, just a fantastic job of pissing Dumfries off throughout the game. Um, Dumfries just wasn't focused towards the end of it. You know, had he not had that, that physicality, that strength and that pace, Theo was all over in his head. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, also the difference in quality between, I mean, him and Hakimi, you could say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Green, how, how do you feel about Theo Hernandez? <laughs> do you mean, do I feel like he 
should have got sent off. No, no. How do you feel about him as a player? Is he one of those Milan players that you detest? I both detest, but I respect in a way. I okay. mean, he for me, he's still one of the, the greatest left-backs. I mean, I would love to have him <laughs> playing with Inter. But, uh, I mean, we've got Gossens, who yeah. arguably probably was the second second best wing-back. Yeah, if not yeah. the best, he gives him a run for yeah. his money, definitely. But it has, I have, it has to be said that Theo Hernandez is the master of rattling players and oh, fans sure. as well. He... He gets the ball in the back. He does that weird turning thing where he pretends to go right and he just scoops left and leaves his man. Like mm. in the box, dangerously. Like He did it in the last fucking couple yeah. of minutes of the game, man. Before he got sent off, I was fucking screaming. Always. Like, stop doing that. Does that shit. And, and I always end up, first I'm screaming, what the fuck are you doing? Then I'm like, oh. They're like, what the fuck? Are you oh. you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Then he dribbles three players, he falls over easily, wins a foul, you know, and 11 <laughs> players are in the referee's face screaming at him just out of sheer frustration, you know. And that I happened to Dumfries man. many times. Exactly. I mean, mm. there was a number of challenges or knocks. Some might have or should have been a, a foul mm. and some were, were just physical. Uh, but Dumfries, like Matt was saying, was up in the linesman and the referee's face. Exactly. Bro, I <laughs> celebrate. Never have I ever celebrated my own players red card where i celebrated theo hernandez's i lost my shit it's like we scored a goal in my opinion man the way he just fucking <laughs> you know yeah. cunted him from behind <laughs> after he took the ball off him. do you, like, do you oh, think it you was think a tactical foul yes i think i think so i think it was i'm I, not I think... sure well it would have it, been it's... something was said i mean now because there are actual fans in the stadium it's much more difficult to pick up on what the players yeah. are saying between them I mean, there must have been it. it must have been a, like hints of shithousery as well. He's quite a yeah, shithouse yeah. there, Hernandez. But I think the fact that he gave the ball away and and had Dumfries whoop the ball in and, and like I don't know, Zeko got to the end of it would have been Hernandez's fault. So he was like, "No, fuck you! Like I'm not gonna give you that leverage." Like so, he counted him and he got sent off. And to be honest, we play Sampdoria next, and I'm not too worried about that touch wood. So well, they have just spanked Sassuolo four 0 which we'll get to eventually. But um. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, with after Theo's red card, Inter really wanted to take advantage of that. And at the end, Handanovic went up, who seemed to be seven feet tall, by the way. And he even won the header. He got that looping header over the top. If someone had oh, fucking, fucking followed fucking. up on that, though, that would have been the equalizer at the end there. I was I was terrified. Mm. Speaking of Handanovic himself, definitely. Yeah. No, but I, I really couldn't blame Handanovic for the second goal. And I'll tell you why. Now it was soft. As soon as, as soon as I saw the, the goal go in, I'm like come on, bro, you know what I mean? You're an experienced goalkeeper, you should be saving that. But, the, bros, Giroud turned and shot in a split second. He would have been as shocked as as every single one of us to see the 35-year-old pull that off. So there was an element of, you need to give him the benefit of the doubt in the sense that, you know, his view was impeded. I think Devry was blocking him and Devry was defending at that point. So he'd be banking on Devry making the block over there. And Giroud managed to turn and get the shot away in the space of a split second. And he caught Handanovic by surprise. So for a keeper of his age to get down quickly, it, it, it was a tough task. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't give Handanovic 100% the fault. You, I mean, you wouldn't give him the fault. It's probably... Uh, there's there's an element of the, pers- the, the perspective in that Manian was just having uh, an amazing game. And mm. when it came to the other side, you know, Handanovic couldn't pull off uh, a similar save that yeah, maybe Manian would have reached. 
but mm-hmm. as well, like Matt is saying, the blame doesn't fall directly on Handanovic for the second goal. In my opinion, the 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 free was was uh, at fault as well because mm-hmm. he should have known what Giroud was trying to do. I oh, mean, get on at, his left foot, like you know. At his at that age, Giroud's not going to pull off any crazy, <laughs> I don't know, Neymar inspired <laughs> tricks. It's it's all he does. He turns and he shoots, or he lays it off. You know. The, you have to yeah, expect was... him to do that, both on Handanovic's end and both on De Vries' end. Um, so I think it was a lack of concentration as well from him. Yeah. In, in my mm. opinion, he should have just moved forward, you know, either try to battle him physically or try to intercept the ball before it even arrived in his feet or push him off, off his left foot. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Clearly it didn't happen though, so... <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. But, uh, I, so, Inter are now... Up to two losses in the in the league. The first yeah. loss, obviously, being that free show of a match against Lazio. Simone Enzaghi's return, um, Correa's return. There was all that shit. So, to be honest, I wouldn't cut into too much slack about losing that one. It's one of those weird ones throughout the season. And now Milan <sighs> joined that list of teams that beat Inter this year. Will there be any other defeats for Inter? Who do you think? You know, do you think Inter will recover from this? I know they're playing Napoli now, so that's a big test for them. Uh, what, what do you what think? think? You worried about that, Green? In fact, I was I was speaking offline, you know, with Jake about this yesterday uh, when mm. we had originally planned to to record this episode. <laughs> um, I was actually completely terrified after we lost the derby. You know, um, before the derby, a lot of us were saying, you know, when Zaghi came in, uh, we had just sold Lukaku and Hakimi. You know, the team looked completely different. Are we still going to be able to compete at the highest level? And uh, we got out of the group stage, which is something that we haven't been able to do for the last few years we've been in CL, uh, and beat in Shakhtar. We we were top of the league and, and you know, we we're progressing in the Coppa Italia. And I, I just noticed that after the Derby defeat, you know, in the next three, three games, all this could have self-destructed. Because if we yeah. potentially lost to Roma yesterday, lost to Napoli, and we're going to get a spanking against Liverpool, I feel <laughs> at least. Um, the season would have just self-destructed. Luckily, <laughs> we managed to play well and 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 continue to no, compete in the Copa. No, luckily, luckily, Grim, that fucking weird game against Spezia happened. That's that's what's lucky for it. That the is only true. thing that's stopping that's Milan true. from catching Inter within the next, well, unless obviously Inter keep on winning and they recover well. But to put into perspective just how much of an impact a referee's decision has, Milan would have been ahead of Inter by two points, obviously with Inter having that game in hand. So let's say Inter wins that game, it, Inter would be one point ahead, which is it's against Bologna. Fucking difference. Yeah, yep. Fuck Bologna. Yeah, I don't see them doing anything that game at all. That's like a standard 2-0, 3-0 win for Inter. But you never know. <laughs> Arnautovic <laughs> could have just like a stormer. Could be. Uh, Didn't they beat, what? What was it? Did they beat Lazio 3-0 this season? They did, they did, but that was uh, like during a weird, chaotic bunch of mm. fixtures for Lazio. They played like, like I can't remember, like three uh-huh. times in one week or something and barely had any rest days plus COVID was... Was we were on the wrong side of Bologna that time. We were we yeah. were in Sassuolo Stadium watching them play Inter and losing. We could have been in Bologna Stadium with that lovely fucking like weird church they have in the, the middle the of the tower. Stadium. Yeah, uh, watching them kick, watching them kick Lazio's ass. Well, that, that would have been, been nice. Fun. That would have been really mm-hmm. fun. Um, so we spoke about the substitutions. Um, I have to praise Pioli for a second because I don't feel like we did it enough. Um, his substitutions True. were adventurous, they were brave, and they worked. 
he brought on Messias and he brought on Brahim for Salamakers and Kessie. Now, Salamakers didn't have a great game. Kessie didn't have a great game either. I was worried that's that's simply because of who Kessie is. He'd just keep him on. But he didn't uh-huh. do that. He took him out pretty early and he brought on um, Brahim Diaz as well. Now, that was that changed the game for Milan completely. Mm-hmm. Plus, mm-hmm. on the other end, Nzagi seemed to fuck the game up by taking out Chalanoglu. He said at the end of the game it was because he was on a yellow card. You bring on Vidal Ooh. because Hakan's on a yellow card. Vidal. Uh, no, but I get He's it, more I get likely because... to get sent off with <laughs> but, you know? I, get, I get that. I get that. But towards the end of the game, where minds and legs are tired, you know, you, you take out Chalanoglu for Vidal. You bring on that crusher if you're, if you're ahead. And I mean, Vidal can get those last second tackles in as well. Obviously, alongside Brozovic, they will be the more conservative um, midfielders. And then you have Barella being a bit more adventurous over there. So I don't think that was the, the bad move. I think the lack of impact that maybe Vidal had on the match, maybe he didn't assert that aggression instantly off the get-go like he normally would. But I think more than that, more than Inter taking a step down, I think Milan just took a massive step up. Once Brahim came on, Brahim was loving, sexy, magic when he came <laughs> on. And he was insane. And I'm so glad that Pioli didn't just drop Kessie to a defensive midfield road and take out Ben Asser, for example, but rather swapping him directly um, because Ben Asser and Tonali were playing the ball around beautifully. Wow, man. Man. wow what a so display good. from both of them. Mm-hmm. Literally, which what is good because, I mean, you look, bro, you look at these two, you know what I mean? And, and towards the beginning of the season, we doubted whether either of these would start alongside Kessie. A lot of people were saying that Bakayoko is going to fit right back in, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And Tonali and Benasser will have to fight for their place. But these guys are, are ridiculous. And I think I'm going to put some special emphasis on Tonali because just for, for the full season, he's been insane. I think he's been one of the best players in the league this season. Yeah, the best midfielders for sure. Yes. Inter didn't, chose not to take him, man. Exactly. In favor of Vidal. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's, yeah. I'm so happy with him, man. He's so fucking I, good. I mean, Tonali, Tonali this season just took took a step up <laughs> and has really like uh-huh. blended in to the Milan team. And Brahim has just been on another level. Is mm-hmm. Brahim is Brahim actually fully owned by Milan? Or is he still on loan with? He, a, so there's a loan with an loan. obligation, but Real Madrid have a have a callback clause um, if they want to, and it's I think it's only valid for the first year. I think I'm, don't quote mm. me on this, but um, I, I thought I thought it was a two-year loan. It and, is a two-year and... loan. Um, they can they have the chance to bring him back, definitely Real Madrid. But it's up to them. Like to be honest, something that's similar to Morata, yeah. I think With so. As a, exactly, exactly. Very um, similar. In reality, I don't think they'll call him back just yet. Uh, I think he started off really well, Brahim, but then he kind of dipped to the point that Real Madrid might be looking elsewhere, which is great for me ah, because I, I really I like Brahim. Go. I hope I hope Milan keep him. Real Madrid rate Brahim. Um, they, they rate him quite highly. And the fact that he was loaned out and he had a successful two years at Milan might make them want him back. Bro, I'm, I'm quite concerned about that as a, as a Milan fan. But, and you know how Real Madrid are. They'd, they'd want to take him back and then just flip him and, and make some money off him. You know what I mean? Or True, like, they, like Barca had season. done with Deulefeu. Exactly. Ruin him a little bit for a season and then and then sell him for 5 million to Atletico. That's what fucking Real do, man. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens with Brahim. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that. I hope not. Um, Grima, could Inter have used Sensi, man? 
after watching him play against us well, I'd say definitely. I mean, <laughs> I actually thought about this. I thought that it would have been a mistake to to loan him out when he scored in the Coppa Italia for us. As soon as he came on and he had that, that impact and he was showing that he might have signs of coming back, you know, uh, there was definitely the argument that maybe he shouldn't go to Sampdoria. But at the same time, every time he's shown signs of coming back, his legs just seem to give way yeah. and he's out for another few months. He's made of so, glass. It's not but, worth keeping Sensi, man, to be honest. But definitely, if he came on in form, he would have been the perfect replacement for Hakan because, in my opinion, that's that's what we lacked. Although you can argue that he put on Vidal to try and drop back. You know, he wanted to cover mm-hmm. Hakan because he had a low card, which seems to be the norm in this area. Yeah. He um, always makes five subs, regardless of the game. Yeah. But it's it's also very automatic, you know. It's it's whoever gets a low card in the midfield seems to go off for Vidal. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but also, um, in my opinion, there w- it was a bit of a mistake or a bit of a misreading of the game, in that Milan were putting on Brahim Diaz and maybe he wanted to have someone who's going to play a bit more defensively and cut out uh, his exactly. creativity. But we also flipped the game onto ourselves. Like now we were waiting for Milan to advance. And attack mm-hmm. rather than we were trying to keep Milan on the back foot, which I feel that having Hakan there, the the threat that he would have had, you know, by being able to play the the ball into certain positions, maybe Milan would have been more wary about giving away set pieces because that's one of the biggest areas that uh, we've improved on ever since he's joined. We seem to have actual set piece presence, mm-hmm. um, which is weird because Milan never. Milan had always struggled from set pieces, particularly corners. And apparently, since Chalanoglu has joined Inter, all you've done is score corners. <laughs> it could uh-huh. be. It could I be. remember Hakan hadn't scored that. Bro, did he even score a single free kick? Of course, yes. No, he, he did. He did. He did. He scored. How many though? Like a, a very countable. I amount, recall no? two. Mm. In like four seasons, exactly. I mean, it could be combined as well with Inter having very, you know, tall players, mm. good, good with their head. I yeah. mean, uh, Inter were scoring corners against Milan in past derbies as well. True. If you want to exactly. I mean, <laughs> refer back to backs. the Bray. Yeah, the three uh, centre-backs a- a- alongside Zeko, man, that- that's enough of an aerial threat, to be honest. But it was really good seeing the those three centre-backs of-, of Inter being somewhat exposed. Like seeing the three beaten 1v1 to Giroud was something that brought me so much joy, man. Yeah. And just seeing them like yell at each other and disappointed in each yeah. other. It's not something we normally see. Particularly because Devry is like a, a perfectionist. No, I, I read something recently mm. that he he employs a Dutch company to keep stats about his performances and analytics. Yes, and he yes. studies his performances because he's a perfectionist and he wants to continue improving. Like he's probably that's studying so that Giroud spin as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should have studied it before. <laughs> That's I an mean, excuse. He owns a betting company in Malta. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> um, um, I no, but I, but the ride this season has has fallen off a bit, in my opinion. Not in the, not in to say that he's bad or in any, mm-hmm. in any sense of the word, but his performances have dropped off from the highs we've seen in in, in other seasons, uh, where where Bastoni has has just you know I think become one of our best defenders, best prospects in general. He twisted mm-hmm. his ankle yesterday. Yeah, that's very worrying. He's also sent off for for two games, mm-hmm. which is being appealed. Mm. Uh huh. And Inzaghi as well, I believe. I think Inzaghi has a one match ban. Yeah, I think he's Inzaghi, on... yeah, one one. I think it's one match. And Lautaro, and Lautaro, Lautaro, Lautaro got like fine ten k, no, or or, okay, or something. 
Yeah, he, he fucking you think he spat? spat did there, you see right? it? Uh, I kind of at first I was I, like, nah, uh, he didn't spit. Then I'm, I saw one more clip, and like if you look at the glass, you can actually this. see something hitting it. It looks like you spat. I, have to, I, have to I don't know. I don't know. I, I didn't have that clear of a look at it. To be honest, like to, to me, it, it it makes zero difference whether he spat or not. Like we won the game, and and that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, I did see his head moving in in a motion that shows I could want to get forced by something. <laughs> so in this case, it would be his weird spit. Um, but at the same time, I saw nothing leave his mouth. So I don't know. I don't want to be out here analyzing spit rather than football. Yeah. But that, that, that's what I saw. I mean, maybe he listens to the podcast. It is like, you know, it will, it will fuck with their minds. <laughs> I'll, I'll make the motion, but not spit, just so they can debate. <laughs> now next week, he'll spit without the motion. Exactly. <laughs> he'll just drop one. Like. Can we just say we spent so many years Watching Milan Inter, which would be like a fight for like fifth place, a fight for like sixth place, fourth mm. place at most. Those shitty ones mm. with like Nagatomo and Biabiani and fucking um, um, all these players like Jeremy, Jeremy Menes, exactly, and all these people. Um, this is the Derby della Madonnina, man. These guys fucking, fucking right. hate each other. It's first against second. It's a title fight. And you can tell these players don't like each other, eh, man. It's not just an act. Like, they hate each other. None of that Chiellini bullshit, bro. None of that, look, we're friendly, we're exchanging. Uh, live in the moment, the live, fuck, love, love. Uh, like, no, shut I mean, the this fuck is... up, Squidward. You know what I mean? <laughs> this, is, this is it. We fucking hate each other. Sure, fucking shake each other's hands after the game and, and all that. But during the game, that's what I want, bro. I want tackles flying in. I want arguments. Pushing. This heated... Derby della Madonnina, man, it was insane. Yeah. I mean, these these players, you know, they're 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 actually in a title race. They actually feel like they have a bit more pride than some of the other players we've had over the years. Exactly, True. exactly. I mean, uh, I I would say it's been building up to this. You know, there was the Abrahamovic Lukaku incident as well. Yeah, exactly. Last season, uh, and 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 the f- definitely if the transfer policies at both clubs. Uh, continue to go the way they're going i think we'll continue to see games like this for hopefully many seasons let's hope so man mm-hmm. one the relegation three. battle for you exactly <laughs> come on one more thing can i, I ask you what go, go ahead bro go ahead um i just wanted to ask if you guys saw the clip of that that guy wearing a jumper when Giroud scored yeah 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 so first exactly no he was wearing a normal (laughs) jumper then he took it off when Giroud scored the winner and he was wearing a napoli kit under underneath and he was jumping with the milan fans and celebrating with them because it's a (laughs) three-horse race you know napoli are still in it as we mentioned before i was that was the question i was about to ask grima like who's the better team bro is it milan or napoli in your opinion I think Milan at full strength are still better than Napoli at the moment. Because Napoli have shown that even when they're playing, you know, their preferred 11, they could still have shockers of games. I mean, Milan lost to Spezia, but... (laughs) That wasn't a shocker (laughs) of a game, though. So did Napoli, no? Napoli lost to Spezia as well. They did, they did. They did. Napoli, I mean, Ah, Tiago Motta is on a a streak at the moment, you know? He (laughs) He is, unfortunately. Not anymore. Not anymore, but he's still undefeated. Mm. I'd say exactly That's the manager of the month went to Salernitana um, away and played for a draw. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anything else? I, I you think want to we've covered. I, I think we've covered the derby first. I don't know, Green. Do you have anything you'd like to add? Nothing else. I think we've covered most most of the main mm-hmm. top, you know talking points. Cool. I, I just want to say that it still feels like a weird dream. What a magical magical night, Green. I know it wasn't like that for you, but. <laughs> 
you've had your fun over the past few years. Let us enjoy this one. <laughs> this was yeah. one of my favorite derbies in history. I think the fact that sure. Giroud scored two goals where he's been somewhat struggling and you wanted him out, as in not out of the squad, but you, you wanted Lazatic to come on. I was screaming for Lazatic to come on. I was like, Giroud can't get involved with this game. It's not his fault, but the ball wasn't getting to him. I was like, we need no, someone more mobile. Just bring on that Lazatic guy. Let's see what he's all and about. And it got to him twice, fun. dude. I have never it's... been happier to look like an idiot. <laughs> I mean, we should we should pro, pro, propose you as like the director of football. Or something. For sure, for sure. That guy Absolutely. with the podcast who has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Giroud, by the way, seven goals and eight starts. All his goals came at San Siro. Even Ooh. the away goals came at San Siro. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious, man. That's hilarious. It's, it's weird because Giroud only scores at home and Zlatan only scores away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, true. he's just very efficient. Yeah, and I, I mean we've seen that with Chelsea as well, and with with back in the day when he was at Arsenal, you know, he'd come on and he just, and even with France, even when he was mm. not playing with Chelsea, and they'd put him on in France, and France need to get a goal, you know, he just mm. pops pops on and, and managed to get get one in the back of the net. Exactly. I'm sure Zlatan has some some weird saying as well as to why he only scores away from home, like lions do not eat in their own nest. <laughs> in their own nest. <laughs> this is some weird shit, like. <laughs> All right, bro. Uh, shall you we move on? Shall we? Let's go. Yeah. So where are where are they placed at the moment, Inter and Milan? Oh yes. Um, of course, Inter are first one point ahead of Milan as it stands, with a game in hand, of course, against Bologna. Fantastic. So the next game we're going to be covering is Juve two Hellas Verona nil. So coming into this game, Juve were coming off a nil nil draw to Milan. But since then, as we all know, they've had an incredibly busy Mercato, signing the league's top scorer in Vlaovic and the Swiss sensation Denis Zakaria. And they both started the match, which was very interesting to see. Hellas Verona, on the other hand, were coming off two impressive victories in succession against Sassuolo and Bologna. But they missed Simeone and Caprari in this game, which obviously was always going to impact the team ever so slightly. Verona were actually unbeaten against Juventus in their last four matches, where they won twice and only drew twice. Obviously, we all remember the reverse fixture where Cholito scored that insane goal where they won, yeah, I think it was 2-1, I don't remember. Um, only Samp have a better record than this, where they went unbeaten against Juve in five matches. And this was around the 2013 season. Um, so, yeah, Verona had the opportunity to equal that, but they obviously didn't manage. So, I'll take you through the play-by-play. In the 13th minute, Vlaovic chipped the keeper after a lovely ball flicked through by Dybala. The pair were already really linking up well at this point, Dybala and Vlaovic. Um, one thing people may not have realised about this goal is that Vlaovic actually started this attack um, by winning the ball in the air against Gunter after a long ball by Szczesny. And this physicality is really something that Juve lacked with not having that number nine. They only kind of got it when Moise Keane was in the team. That's when they were starting with Morata and Dybala alongside each other. They didn't have that guy to kind of, that Zlatan or that Giroud, to kind of flick the ball on after the keeper pings it forward. Vlaovic became that guy. He started the attack. Dybala flicked the ball through. Vlaovic chipped the keeper in superb fashion. In the 61st minute, like as if unbelievable, Zakaria scored as well. So the two debutants both scored this, this whole magical fucking bullshit. Um, <laughs> it finished cleanly after some superb work by Morata. Morata was insane. He outmuscled Ceccherini in the situation. He carried the ball forward and then the ball that he gave to split the defense in half. Zakaria was there. He had a lot of time. And to me, it's more impressive when a 
when a striker or a forward, whatever, <laughs> finishes a chance when he has a lot of time because he has a lot of time to think about it. He's got three options, but he just chose the one. He stuck to it. He put the ball in the back of the net and debut goal and a 2-0 victory for Juve. That put them in the Champions League spot, obviously, after Atalanta slip, slipped up, which we'll be discussing later. Mm-hmm. Now, the obvious talking points, guys, in this game are Vlaovic and Zakaria. But aside from them individually, I really want to discuss, because more often than not, we've seen managers taking their time before deploying new players. Mm-hmm. But Max slotted these two players into the starting eleven right away, man, like a week after they signed. Like, big balls from Max to pull that off. And it worked out. What do you guys think about it? So I think Vlaovic already has like league experience and like when you sign a player for 80 million euros you have to play him immediately so i think that's mm-hmm. and plus that's a position that they've been desperate to improve right they needed a striker same can be said about the midfield you know i feel like he had no choice but to do that i feel like he would have probably preferred to ease them in but couldn't he didn't have the facilities for yeah. that what do you think Green? big man oh no i think the same the same as Jake, that Vlahovic, you know, it was quite a, it's quite a plug and play uh, situation in that he, he essentially put him in in the same, very similar conditions that uh, he was he was playing in in Fiorentina. I mean, he was desperate to go to Juve clearly because he it's not, it wasn't the first club that approached him or approached mm-hmm. to sign him. Uh, he joined on his birthday, so he was definitely fired up. So he joined on his birthday. Aspect. Yeah, he joined yes. he joined Juve <laughs> on his birthday. I had no idea. Turned twenty two. Joined wow. the club and scored the debut goal, <laughs> and nice. leading insane man, leading the Serie A scoring charts. Recently, yeah. I read something that um, Vlaovic, if he, they asked him, "What would you be if you weren't a football player?" You know, Crouch would say a virgin. Um, Vlaovic yeah. said, <laughs> ah, a, "A doctor, man." Yeah, I, bro, he was studying medicine, and and apparently he's he's a genius. Like he could have graduated, well, not easily, obviously, but like he could have been making hundreds of thousands as a doctor you know what i mean he said he's making millions as a football player he made the right choice yeah <laughs> we made we made that joke because the commentator said he could have been a he could have been a surgeon but decided to go for the football route needless to say he made the right decision and we're like really bro don't we need more healthcare workers you know, you know, you know what i mean like this guy's out here making millions for kicking a ball we need healthcare workers um but but fuck it i think personally that Aside from these two guys, well, bringing these two guys in and having, especially Vlaovic as that number nine, Juve looked really different. They looked like they had this 4-3-3 that was kind of swapping to a 4-3-2-1 at times, to a 4-3-1-2. It was really nice. And one thing I really enjoyed was seeing Morata kind of play a bit more out wide because his pace and his strength really came off. And he didn't get many scenarios where he was put on the spot in front of goal where he tends to struggle but rather we saw him use his physical abilities out wide. How much better is Morata in that position, guys? 100, 100%, I agree. I mean, I think one of the main inclusions or one of the main benefits that Vlahovic brings, besides uh, some, some others that we'll, we'll mention later on, is that uh, the, the formation completely completely changed. And they have players like not only Morata, I'd, I'd pinpoint Dybala especially, because in my opinion, mm. we, might, we, might, we might be looking at Vlahovic, you know, he's the hot new signing, the marquee signing for Juve. But you think he's hot, man? For, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, no, but for me, Dybala was definitely the man of the match in this in this mm. in this game. You know, he came on. He was and, great, uh, man. 
he, the fact that he was allowed, he was given more more freedom to roam mm-hmm. behind the striker as well as Maratha. They're able to drop a bit deeper, you know, play those passes, and eventually managed to get the pass off to to Vlahovic, who yeah. finished and 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 got them the goal. I think that that was one of the main benefits that Vlahovic brings, as well as the For fact sure. that Juve were definitely one of the main issues they had was that they were relying on Morata, you know, and and Nibala mm-hmm. to to be their main scoring output. When they've and... never been the type, right, to score 20 goals yeah, exactly. a season. The last season Dybala had where he scored 20 goals was in 2017. And since then, he's pretty much had Suso numbers, to be honest. So he kind of performs <clears throat> for like half a season. Um, yeah. Dybala mm-hmm. was visibly frustrated to be subbed out in the 75th minute. Quite a lot of drama surrounding that guy right now. Do you think he'll renew? What's going on? Well, so I, I, I don't know. Sorry, I go, Sorry, go, go ahead, ahead. Green. Go ahead, dude. All right, sure. Um, I don't know enough about the the situation. I, know, I think he's got around six months left on his contract and he's yet to renew, right? Mm-hmm, something like that, yeah. I, I really see. I think the ball is in love with the club. I, I, I think he's made it abundantly clear that he's looking to kind of be the next Del Piero. He wants to be the next big thing at Juve. I don't think the ball is looking for a way out. And I also think that Max rates him really highly. I think one of the first points we made when Allegri came back as as Juve's manager was that he's going to bring the best out of Dybala. So, to be honest, I see him renewing. I see him staying on. Now, probably there are some WhatsApp texts that will show something different going on <laughs> behind the scenes. But personally, the, the, the kind of inkling I get is that he's going to stay on until he become a legend at the club. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. I think I think that at the end of the day, he's going to stay on. And uh, I mean, all you have to do is try to put yourself in his shoes and try to understand his position. You know, it's maybe as a Juve fan, it's much more frustrating not knowing whether he's going to stay or not. You know, similar to the situations mm-hmm. we have with Kessia and with Perisic and Brozovic. It's a trend nowadays. But um, for him, you can you can definitely understand his his perspective. From one end, he might say, you know, he loves the club, but um, maybe he's not as interested in staying if they don't make the Champions League. Maybe he wasn't mm. interested in the direction the club was taking in the first half of the season. Uh, and you mm-hmm. know he wanted to wait till the end to to know what all his options were. I mean, definitely now, uh, if he had to sign before the transfer window and after, there's a it's a completely different Juve team, completely different yeah. strategy, completely different goals. Whereas before, I think they were still saying, you know, getting Champions League is still our priority. Now they'd be, uh, you know, they'd be per- underperforming if they. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Even try to get as many points as possible to potentially have a Mm -hmm. little bit of a title challenge Mm -hmm. at the end. Well, they're there now, man. They're they're fucking there. They're two points ahead of Atalanta, but obviously Atalanta have that game in hand. But they looked fucking good, man. They looked Mm -hmm. really good. And obviously, um, as we mentioned, Vlaovic is, is, you know, the the best striker in the league, arguably, alongside Immobile. He brought the best out of Dybala. He brought the best out of Morata. He changed the Juve team just in one game. But I also really want to highlight Zakaria. Man, Zakaria was fucking insane. He had four interceptions. And I remember really noticing the... He's so good at reading the game. He almost always knows what what his opponent is going to do instantly. And and he's, he's got... The mental ability, he's he's got the strength, he's got the passing. He, he's a complete midfielder, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he only played 80 minutes. In this 80 minutes, like I said, he had four interceptions. He had an 86% pass success rate. And he even got a goal, man. Like, mm-hmm. the goal was just 
the cherry on top of the cake because he would have had a great performance without it. For sure. He for sure. got he got subbed out after 80 minutes because he took a blow to his lower back. But apparently he'll be back for the Sassuolo game today. Um, is today Thursday? No, no tomorrow. tomorrow yeah. He'll be back for the game on, on Thursday. And one thing I really like to see is, obviously McKenny was benched and Zakaria played instead of him. Mm-hmm. And when Zakaria scored, you, you, did you see McKenny's reaction? He looked like a schoolgirl, man. Exactly, exactly. Is he really... like? I wouldn't be happy for him, but if I were McKenny and Zakaria started instead of me and he got a goal, like, okay, I'd be like, I don't know, maybe 40% happy for him, but then 60% is going to say, all right, man, he's going to take my place in the team and I'm going to end up being on the bench or being sold away. Would you be happy for him if you were McKenny? I mean, uh, you... You know, I would think, yes, I, I hope so. <laughs> you know, I hope I'm a good person, essentially. <laughs> but, um, you know, nowadays there are so many fixtures and everything is so tightly packed that they're both going to get their opportunities. There's the Coppa Italia, the Champions League, the league itself, you know. Plus, not to mention that it doesn't necessarily need to be Zakaria or McKenny who, who plays, you know. They could both play. There's Rabiot as well mm-hmm. who can be who can be replaced by one of them. That's true. So at the end of the day, yes, I, I don't see why he shouldn't be happy for him. And I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure they they speak, you know, in the club. And Allegri is very very vocal about mm-hmm. um, how he sees them fitting in the club. I mm-hmm. mean, at the end of the day, they're playing for Juventus, whose ambitions aren't to, you know, just play in the league. They they want to compete in the league. They want to compete in the Coppa Italia. They want to compete in the Champions League. So you know, mm-hmm. we're speaking about. Uh, 45 plus games a season minimum exactly that's true that's true and um i mean at the end of the day some some good squad rotation as as mm-hmm. you said so we could see zakaria could be seeing mckenny who have both proved to be kind of those goal scoring midfielders um i want to point out so- before before we move on um about vlaovic he had a very good performance and he was working tirelessly to begin with but i do feel like he exhausted himself pretty early on and towards the later part of the game struggled to involve himself simply because of fatigue at points yeah. there were balls coming towards him and he didn't seem like sharp enough to get to them of course that'll that'll fade as he gets used to the team as he gets used to the pressure he gets used to exactly. managing his um his energy as well a little bit he was he was very eager and i don't blame him and what a start for him what a start as a striker you want to score as soon as possible we saw it for example mm-hmm. the fiorentina game with cabral he was dying for a goal um uh-huh. vlaovic got it and he can relax now he has two two more games where he can like he has no pressure on him that's true. Uh, I saw uh, the, the commentator said that apparently Allegri was keeping a close eye on, on Vlaovic's fitness throughout the game. Um, apparently that's the only main concern he has about Vlaovic. He thinks he's a complete striker, obviously. Um, but he is slightly concerned about his about his fitness, so he's going to be keeping an eye out on that. But I think, like you said, that over-eagerness would cause him to sprint on a couple of on a couple of occasions where maybe he should take it a bit easy. Um and yeah, just over involve himself when in reality he'd be doing a fine job as is. But uh-huh, I think it was a perfect start for Vlaovic. But like you said, he did kind of dip in those last 20 minutes. Exactly. And I mean, Zakaria on the other end must be, you know, thanking his lucky stars after these last few games that he chose to go to Juve and not, not Manchester United. As was <laughs> exactly. Rumored. <laughs> For sure, I'm gonna I'm gonna shift my focus a bit to Hellas Verona just, just for a second, just go over them slightly. So, in my opinion, Hellas didn't have a bad game, but they simply got outplayed. Juve were mm. faster, stronger, more clinical. Overall, just much the better side. They managed to get 13 shots away, Hellas, 
Um, they're very disappointing attempts, you know what I mean? They were dispossessed a total of 20 times as well. Barak was dispossessed six of those Barak 20 times. So he was, was quite bad this game, man. And typically, you was know, I was expecting more from him. And to be honest, it was just, you know, you look at their stats, these guys, you know, Lasagna lost the ball three times, Tameza three times, Barak six times. Um, Lazovic lost the ball as well. Veloso three times. Nah, the Pauli Veloso twice, quite, you know? Veloso quite underperformed, I think. Yeah, many Quite of these guys, and particularly, exactly, Veloso and Barak, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as soon as I heard that Caprera was unavailable, I made the assumption that Nikola Kalinic was going to mm-hmm. fit, fit in instead of him. Um, well, not Caprari, but rather Simeone, my apologies. Um, mm-hmm. But it was Kevin Lasagna who started the match as a striker. Now, Kalinic came on in the 71st minute to replace Barak and had zero impact. But I was surprised to hear that he was released off his contract moments after the match. What the fuck happened there? He's no longer a Verona player. I don't know, man. He has problems when it comes to attitude, that guy. You don't remember during the, the World Cup? Croatia. Yeah, yeah Croatia, Croatia sent him home. He was the only player that got sent home that World Cup. <laughs> yeah. That's a fucking weird one, man. Because he's obviously, like, clearly their second best striker. Like, you're not going to... He's good. And he was having a good season. Lasagna. Yeah. He was having a yes, man. Season. Yes, yes. yes. I, I have him. I, I know firsthand because I have him on Fanta. And I remember <laughs> he scored a brace in one of the games just before Simeone broke out. Um, but he also picked up a goal in the last match before this game. Like, he's he, he's not bad. He, he's a good guy to kind of plug in as a replacement. But mm-hmm. to release him off his contract, that's a fucking weird one. I have no idea what happened there, man. Yeah, I don't know. It gives me it gives me a lot of... I don't know if you guys remember, but Osvaldo vibes. Oh, yes. Oh, my The God, guy Osvaldo. who left football for, legend. for music. With less style, dude. It's like Osvaldo <laughs> with less style. <laughs> oh, my God, Osvaldo. What a memory, man. Osvaldo said that he loves barbecue too much to be a professional football player. <laughs> <laughs> what of a hilarious thing. The love in the world. Like, imagine being passionate about barbecue. Oh, South <laughs> Americans, man. Barbecue is massive in South America particularly no, but imagine in Brazil being a professional footballer just like being in the Serie A and clubs want you and you're scoring like crazy goals I remember he had this half volley or it was like a bicycle bro he had a couple of overhead kicks Osvaldo I remember that it's just like you know all these clubs want you they're, they want to pay you a lot of money and mm. you're just there like I'm gonna savor this moment I'm just gonna <laughs> I want mm. to start playing music or yeah I just want <laughs> to play the guitar and eat ribs man <laughs> exactly. Fair play, fair play to him, dude. Fuck, that's what we do, man. This guy should, this guy should go to Riviera every <laughs> every now and then, just take a barbecue, play some guitar. He'll fit right in. Um, Riviera might just to move on. <laughs> <laughs> to move on, Juve are now fourth. They're two points ahead of Atalanta, who have a game in hand, and they play them this weekend. What a time to have COVID! <laughs> Hellas are in ninth. On the other hand, they're on thirty-three points, kind of fighting their way to. I, I think Hellas's his main goal would be not to drop back behind tenth. I think tenth upwards is where Hellas will be aiming for. I think that would be their main their main goal for this season. Mm-hmm. I don't think Europe would be a realistic goal. I think them. they'll try. Ah, they, 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 they'll definitely try. They don't have a loser mentality like I do. But <laughs> <laughs> is it worth trying? <laughs> no, I mean, they're six. They're six points of the nearest European space. Uh, I mean, it's going to be co- hotly contested between you know Roma, Lazio, yeah. Atalanta now dropped out of the Champions League spots, and there's also Fiorentina, who who holds that <laughs> game in hand. So 
Can we can we just say, mm-hmm. man, how how tight and nice it is in Italy? You know, we have the a three horse race at the top. The European spots sure, are all contested. Too. At the bottom, Beautiful. you know, the relegation battle is is so interesting as well. Salernitana basically changing their entire team halfway through the season. Um, while in the Premier League, you know, horrible things are happening, man. <laughs> we, can, we, can, we, can, we can clip this, you know. We can just have Jake just just saying, you know, how nice and tight it is. Load it to. You can plug in your Instagram and TikTok. <laughs> exactly. Meanwhile, Zoom is playing fucking cats across his living room. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hilarious when you compare. So last place in 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 um in the Premier League, there's Newcastle. And in last place and say, yeah, there's Salernitana. Just compare their budgets. <laughs> Newcastle actually dropped to last. I thought they beat Everton in their last game. New- Newcastle were last a couple of weeks ago. Last I checked, I can check. And then they bought honest. a new team. Um, yeah. Same like same as Salernitana. Man. <laughs> no, Burnley are lost in the Premier League. Um, so yeah, hello yeah, and welcome closed. to Premier League Spotlight. <laughs> where, where are Newcastle though? Newcastle. Uh, they were 17. in the. They were in the. You know, in, rele- in a relegation battle. I mean, they were like 18th or something like that. Yeah, 17th. Yeah, yeah, they're now they, they're just outside of it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, shall we move on? Yes, we shall. So let's hop onto a gondola and go all the way to Venice for Venezia nil Napoli 2. This is four wins in a row for Napoli. And this is Napoli's first win in Venice since 1947. Um, they ended a 75-year drought. How many times did they play them since then? Not not many times at all. Man. Probably twice. Yeah. I, I think Venezia were last in last in the Serie. A. Must have been what in the in the late 90s. I remember them exactly. definitely being there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can check out an article on our website about Venezia by our new writer Mitul. A very brilliant article. Very it's brilliant. Insane. <laughs> an amazing it's article. It, it's I I didn't know. 10% of, of what was on this article. It's it's beautifully written. Go have a look, guys. It's on our website. So I'll quickly quickly run you through the play-by-play. In the 59th minute, um, Politano gave in a lovely cross to Ozyman, who scored with a looping header, his first goal um, since his return from his injury. In the 94th minute, Tyrone Ebuehi got a red card. And in the 99th minute, Petania scored um, after putting Mertens through Mertens' shot on goal. And the keeper saved it. It fell back to Petania and he scored. This was the latest goal in Serie A history in the 99th minute. Jesus. So, talking points. Um, Koulibaly, Koulibaly, man, is coming back as a champion. Of course, he won the he won AFCON mm-hmm. with Senegal. Yeah. Do you think he's going to be gassed to win the league now? Yes, yes. He, he's got a champion. Well, he already has a champion's mentality as is, but God knows the confidence he has after winning the African Cup of yeah. Nations and lifting it himself, man. Yeah. He's, he, he'll come back and, and Napoli will shoot up. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're already shot up as much as they can be. But, You're going to be doing drugs, dude. <laughs> are, are you out here taking, saying that Napoli are doing drugs? That's why they're doing so well? Are you, yes, are you making a claim, bro? <laughs> making claim, yes. <laughs> uh, it's it's crazy, by the way. Koulibaly is such a legend, you know. There, there's Sadio Mane on that team, and he's the captain. You know, he takes the first penalty in the shootout. He's such an animal. One of the most underrated defenders <laughs> in of our generation, Koulibaly, of course. I agree, man. I and agree. I mean, mad respect for him deciding, you know, to stay at Napoli after all, so many rumors year after year. Is he going to go to City? Is he going to go to to PSG? Yeah. You know, I mm. mean. He could still end up 
transferring to one of these clubs, but he his heart seems set at at Napoli. Uh-huh. He, he considers himself a Napolitan. He does. He does. And he loves the city, and I'm he sure the, the people of Napoli do as well. Of course, they love him, man. So, do you, do you yeah. think he's going to be their next, you know, star star man once once Insignia leaves? Koulibaly, he'll, he'll inherit he'll the captain's captain. armband for sure. Ah, no, Mer- it depends if Merton stays on. Well, oh, but Merton it's, 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 it's funny starter. because they, the the Curva want Mertens to to be their to be their captain, but it could very much be that that situation where, like Romagnoli and Calabria, the captain's on the bench, so then the vice captain you know, would, would actually be captain because he's starting all the matches. Um, so it could very much be the case. I definitely see Koulibaly being fit for, for captaincy at Napoli. Of course, for yeah. sure. He's the most likely candidate, in my opinion. I mean, there is mm-hmm. an argument for Mertens as well. And I mean, he's gone on the record saying things like uh, he'd love to stay at the club mm-hmm. uh, r- regardless of the pay. So, and he's working hard to try and, you know, get mm-hmm. get that confidence in him. For him to be able to mm. sign a contract extension, so it was Spalletti who said that um, he's gonna have to accept the demands that the club presents to to Mertens because in reality, you know, the, he's gonna get a paid deduction for sure. Of course, man, one hundred percent. He's not the player he used to no, be. No, and there's Ozzyman now. That's... There's Ozzyman and Petania who are right. I'm Petania's all right. Ozzyman's amazing. So, mm. so Mertens isn't really a necessity in this team right now, bro. Oh my god, I, I just says we, f- we forgot to plug in the prediction series. You beat ah, me, yes, because I'm just remembering how <laughs> you got the exact score. We're terrible, man. Uh, how you got the correct score on this game, and it was the latest fucking goal in Serie A history. Like, it took an, a 99th you... minute Petania goal. For Did you, you say 2 0? I think mine was I like 3 0 or something like that. I thought that mine was 3 0 as well. Can though. we just say that this week we were all wrong for the majority we of were. the game? Oh, I was wrong so for many two upsets. and completely wrong for the rest, pretty much. Yeah, so you got, there you got those so six many points. Upsets. Yeah. But I, I got mean... Milan Inter 2 1, spot on. Yeah. I was the only one. <laughs> and like, as a side note, if you want to. If you want to... Uh, just tell everyone what what you were telling me on chat. You know when I you asked me to send my predictions and you said really you think Inter are gonna win two one and then you sent me yours with Milan two one uh-huh. and you said no <laughs> I was gonna say two two but I want to believe exactly and, so, and <laughs> you manifested this win of course man of course, of course. I was just, <laughs> I still feel I like convinced a... myself that we won and there's nothing <laughs> nothing I think or do can change the fact that we won and we fucking you were won. so exactly. positive it was pissing me off because I kind of like getting into the space saying. Me and I are gonna lose, me and I are gonna lose. And then, like, I did this against for the Juve game last year where Milan won 3 0. I did for the Atalanta game where Milan won 2 0 and they got Champions League. And so that's kind of my tactic. If I want Milan to win, I'm just gonna say, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get fucking smashed, man, in this game. Like, and then you're there overly positive, yeah. and I just wanted to punch you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but then at the same time, whatever Jake did or whatever Jake was, you know, believing in seems to have just like seeped into Jeru's balls. Fuck it. Like, <laughs> fucking right, dude. I'm happy to have influenced Jeru and his glorious testicles. Now, Oof. back to the topic, Venezia and Napoli. Okay. <laughs> so, Napoli kind of dominated this game, to be honest with you. They had, I believe, 60% ball possession. Um, Venezia did not play badly, to be honest. It was 1-0, of course, until the 99th minute. Um, and they had a few dangerous moments with Okereke on the counters. There was one in particular that was extremely dangerous. They, were, they don't have the facilities to really create much against Napoli, so it's a shame that they couldn't take the chances that they created. But finally, their tough run of fixtures is over. 
Let me just read you who they had to play most recently. They had Lazio, Milan, Atalanta, Empoli, Inter, and Napoli. That's and the, the that only game that that's there. winnable there, the Salernitana game, got postponed. So, yeah. oh so out from those God. games, from one, two, three, four, five, six games, they got one point in a draw against Empoli. And they you played also, very well as, against Lazio, Milan, Atalanta, Inter. You know, they played yeah, yeah. well in these games. I was going to say, you could say it's bad luck as well to, to um, that the Salernitana game got postponed because they've since just, like, you know, transformed their team. Exactly. You're, mm. you're spot on, bro. Like, they have to play My a new God, team. They, so... they have to deal with Perotti now, man. Uh, <laughs> that's a deal with very these fucking free kicks, man. Uh, I think that's the main yeah, point of concern. I mean, that being said, do you think out of the teams currently battling against relegation right now, do you think it's 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 fair? Do you think these same teams are going to be the ones that are potentially going to go down? Hmm. Do you think Venezia stand the chance? <laughs> I think I think Venezia do stand the chance. I think they do stand the chance, but. Uh, at the same time, look, I, I consider um, Salernitana and Genoa gunners. Like, I know that Genoa are kind of upping their performances. They have a few new players as well. But I think the fact that they're only three points ahead of Salernitana and Salernitana have a game in hand yeah. speaks volumes. I, I think I think Genoa and Salernitana are there for the drop. And then, bro, it, it's, it's between Cagliari, Venezia, Samp, to be honest, and Spezia. I think so. Spezia... Spezia climbed up the table because they had a three-match winning streak. But you know what I mean? <laughs> now they'll probably start losing a couple yeah. here and there again because they were very fortunate in these three games. Um, Cagliari are on the way up. And bro, I'm not too sure about Sampdoria. I know they had a, a, a terrific win. Now 4-0 against Sassuolo. Whoop-de-doo. Beautiful. Like, but what they were doing before that... It can't be ignored, and that's in their DNA, and I think they might carry that onto future games. But it's, it's a new team with a new system and a new coach, man, and new players as well now, to be honest with you. You know, I, I can't see them going down with, with jump. Don't, I, I don't see them going down, especially, like you're saying, with the new look team, but I also... It, it'd, be, it'd be silly of us to just consider them safe because they're Sampdoria, because it's Serie A, it's, it's, it's the bottom five, they're all battling it out. Fucking, you're seeing what Cagliari are doing. You're seeing what Genoa yeah. are doing. Yeah, they, they, they could turn things around, man. For sure. And it could very much happen. For particularly I mean, it's, Cagliari. It's, tight. it's, it's ridiculously mm. tight at the bottom as well. I'm just seeing here that Venezia are 18th, but they have a game in hand. So if they manage to take points off this game, they'll, they'll you know, go ahead of Cagliari. And then Cagliari are back down in the relegation. Exactly. No, it's crazy, Look, man. The thing it, is, it, it's tough to predict. The annoying thing with Spezia is that they can just play for draws from now on because they have enough points mm. to kind of if they get a few more draws they'll be safe um hopefully it bites them in the ass because i i have to say i, I want to see venezia and say i really like their project um genoa on the other hand i would i would i think genoa are due a relegation man they need to get their shit together yeah, yeah, they yeah. can't just start mm. every year without a team and fucking halfway through, they just make these quick fix solutions like this. Bring these guys. Mm-hmm. It, it's not. It's not sustainable, man. You know it's I mean. not sustainable, and it, it's bad for the league to have them around. Quite frankly. And, and how good of a manager is Blessing? Where he's turning things around, like you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. How good of a manager can he be? How sustainable? He's modern, no gig and press. But anything, anyway. Mm. Would you have had more faith in them under under Shevchenko? Um, yes, man. To be honest, yes is my answer. 
Sure, if I don't. Know I know more about Shevchenko than I do about Blessing for sure. So that must be that. That could be a bit of bias. Yeah, but uh, I don't know personally. Personally, if I had a football club and they're in the relegation battle, so I'm going to turn the statement into a question: Would you rather sign a manager, a quick fix that's going to put you up to? 16th place, 17th place, and you survive the season, but you're in the exact same situation next season. Or a manager for a longer-term project, you might get relegated, but once you go up, you'll be in a much better situation. Which manager would you take? Let's say this is Blessing versus Sheva. Mm, I was going to say, that sounds like Ballardini against Sheva. <laughs> <laughs> mm, fair enough, um, fair I mean, obviously, the main... The main objective for these teams is survival from an economic point of view everything survival is more important than the long-term project for these guys and that's the problem right um so i i guess i would take i would take survival in that situation over the project then maybe maybe try to get a good preseason with maybe a progressive manager the next year yeah i can't help but disagree with you there man now i like i know that very much the worst case scenario when football is getting relegated but I would take a season of relegation to ensure mid-table football in this area the following season. You know what I mean? But you're not even guaranteed promotion. It's quite tough. To no, get you're not you have two promotion. spots guaranteed, then I mean, you have the playoffs, which are a bitch. I very much created a hypothetical world here, and 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 which one would you, <laughs> which one would you take? You know what I mean? So because I mean they're risking as well. The technicalities. Uh, like like in the case of what happens to many teams who get relegated or many teams who are you know around relegation they just seem to be signing a lot of players on short-term contract mm. you know there's mm. there's in, for, for at least some of the teams there isn't generally that much of a long-term project like jake is saying they're there fighting for survival and so mm. once they get relegated you know it's just uh they, they they tend to you know have to lose their whole team they have to try and rebuild with in a lower league mm. with a lower reputation and a lower budget so mm-hmm. everything goes goes askew, but at the same I get, time, I get it. Uh... Like I, I, I would prefer Venezia staying in the league. I understand your point from a league perspective that I would prefer teams like Venezia staying because although they're they're still weak and they're behind a lot of the other teams who've been there for a number of years, they seem to have set some foundations in place mm-hmm. and plugged and plugged mm-hmm. the gaps with some stop gaps. Whereas Genoa seem to be year on year trying to sign whoever. Uh, That's true. Is available. To try and keep <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think we should get back on topic with Venezia and Napoli. This game in particular, there were two things I wanted to mention. Um, <laughs> one about Oziman being back. It's great that he found the goal, but he's no, he's not looking anywhere as sharp as he was, of course, at the start of the season. Do you think he'll get back to his um, his peak this year? Or do you think he's been through too much this year and he needs another season to like start again? No, I, I don't think it'll take him until next season to find his full form again. I think it'll take him a couple of match days. Maybe I think in, in three to four match days, we'll see Ozyman back where he was. Um, I think it's 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 a matter of, of, you know, sports psychology, just getting back into that, getting back into that groove, getting back into that confidence. Yeah. You know, one thing I always credited Ozyman for was for going into those 50-50s like there's no tomorrow. There's no way that that's not impacting him nowadays. I know Spalletti said mm. it's not impacting him, but yes, it, it is. The, yeah. the fucker broke his face, you know what I mean? Screenyard broke his it's face. <laughs> Screenyard broke his face, which is <laughs> even scarier. Like So it'll take him some time, maybe 
three to five match days, but I think he, he will find his groove again. Yeah. What do you think, Green? No, I think he's definitely on on track to start, you know, putting up the numbers he was he was yeah. putting up before. Maybe again, like Matt saying, not at the same rate, mm-hmm. but but I, I think he's on, he's on track to to make a comeback. Yeah, I think I think had he not had any injuries or the COVID problems or anything, he could have been competing with Immobile and Vlaovic at the top this year. Oh yes, definitely, yeah. definitely, especially with the. I, I don't think it's only an Ozyman problem. I think it's a Napoli problem. I think the fact that Napoli kind of fell off halfway through the season, you know, they were first by, by, a, by a good amount. Yeah. They, were, they were by a landslide, the best team in Italy at the time. Um, so I think the fact that they had those injuries and they had the African Cup of Nations and they slipped off, that impacted Ozyman as well as the team. It impacted his numbers, I would say. Sure, sure, definitely. Did he, did he go with, with Nigeria? He didn't, he didn't. No, because he broke his exactly. face. Yeah, exactly. maybe <laughs> went up anyway. But I mean, he, that's what he, could, he could have, he could have, because he recovered in time for mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, but he didn't. He chose not to, or they chose not to. In fact, um, there are many angry Nigerians on Twitter. So, <laughs> Petania had 28 league goals and two assists for Spal in two seasons. Do you remember that? Since joining Napoli in 2020, he's had seven goals and three assists in only 11 starts. He does come off the bench quite often, though. Um, How does Petania's future look to you? Is this like the highest point of his career? Do you think there's another step left in him? Oh, that's such a good question. Thank you, man. I think the height. I think the height of his the height of his career would be like at Atalanta when he finally made that big move oh, and yeah. he was starting a lot of games with Papu um, Gomez. He was like best fucking friends with Papu Gomez. They're like they look like Laurie and Hardy when they hang out <laughs> together. <laughs> um, I, I still think there's one big move left for him. I think. He will need to make a step down before making another step up rather than making a lateral move at the top. So I think we might see him join a, I don't know, man, fucking a Fiorentina or, or someone like that before taking another step up to one of the upper tier teams. But hmm. I don't see him starting at, at any of the top four, five, six or seven. Hmm. But I do see him starting for, for teams like Fiorentina, definitely. Hmm. I think I think it's a matter of the system as well, because he's a very particular player. He's not like, you know, uh, Vlahovic or, or someone like, uh, you know, Immobile. He's, he's, he, he needs a system in place, which is very focused about having either fast and pacey wingers. So like we were saying, I think it's more the system that uh, Petania will need to pick clearly because uh, he's not a player like Ozyman or Mertens or mm. Vlahovic or Ciro Mobile. He's a very specific type of player. He's the type of player that you'd want, you know, either with his back to goal, uh, acting as a target man and have some pacey wingers uh, or wingers cutting inside and he can lay the ball off to them or, or and hold up the play. Or he's that type of player that he'd want, you know, moving into the box and attracting crosses, which he can head in, head into the box. Which I think none of the top teams at the moment, you know, the, the teams challenging for Champions League places, are using that type of player right now. There might That's be an true. argument that he can act as a backup to Zeko, but mm-hmm. um, I think Zeko fulfills some diff- a bit of a different role as well in the team. For sure, for sure. It's that he's definitely a niche type of player. Um, I I don't see him getting a greater move than this in his career. But strikers of his nature do tend to peak 
quite late. So, yeah. so we'll see. We'll see. If you think, if you harken back to Luca Toni, yeah. he's he's definitely one we can refer to. You know, he was top scorer. I mean, he must have, he was top scorer in his twenties with Fiorentina. Uh, made the you know had made the move to Bayern Munich and then uh, was top scorer again with with Hellas Verona. Yeah, so maybe that might be a move he might want to make. You know, head over to Hellas. <laughs> maybe he'll be. What they need to lift them into the European places. Yeah, they have a they have a vacancy now, of course. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> literally. So, Grim, you need you need to go, right? Yeah, unfortunately, I have to I have to head off. I mean, it was great, and thank you for having me. How was it? How uh, did you find it? I found it. I found it very fun. It's always fun to speak about football and speak about football with like-minded people. Ah. I think that you know I fulfilled my role in this <laughs> this edition <laughs> of the podcast, where you basically. Got me on to humiliate. Me <laughs> it's almost like you know I lost the bet that if if Inter lose, I have to come on the podcast and and speak about the match without feeling like I want to. You know, is there any <laughs> is there anything you'd like to plug PWC maybe? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean if you want, I can plug your other page because oh, yes. you seem to be running. Uh, many social media accounts. My unofficial official page. Exactly, Luke Grima official on Instagram. You can follow it for Luke Grima memes. He's a very loved person at work and in his friends group, um, and I'm sure by your family as well that I do not know much about. <laughs> and an incredibly talented accountant as well. No, exactly, accountant. Let's not, <laughs> not an accountant. <laughs> not an accountant, but <laughs> we can yeah, we can just say I'm an accountant. Okay. Exactly. Thank you. Exactly. I'm just I'm just that Inter fan. Exactly. <laughs> so thank you very much, Green. We'll definitely have you on again in the near future. Thanks, dude. Okay. okay. Thank you, Enjoy brother. Enjoy the rest of the point. Have a good thank one. you, bro. Cheers, man. Cheers, man. Ciao, ciao. So where do we where do we kick it off now that he's gone? So, okay. Um, of course, Venezia, we can just continue from here. Um, there, it was always going to be a tough ask for them to get something out of this game. I think they put in a respectable performance. They even got close to equalizing on a few occasions, but were unlucky, of course, not to. Um, mm. Hopefully, they have an easier run coming up. I believe they have Torino, Genoa, Verona, Sassuolo, Lazio. Not exactly easy, but certainly easier mm. than the run that they had been on. So let's hope they can pick uh -huh. up a few points over there. Shall we? Ah, yes, the table, of course. I'll just whip that out very quickly. Um, Napoli currently stand in second place with 52 points um, on par with Milan, while Venezia are currently in 18th with 18 points. Um, so the next... just two points off of safety. No problem, no problem. Go for it. <laughs> so the next game we're going to be covering is Atalanta 1, Cagliari 2. So definitely the biggest upset we've had this time around the match day 24. So Atalanta were coming off two impressive draws against Inter and Lazio. Now I say impressive draws because they were basically face facing the biggest injury crisis they've had in years. Um, they're essentially back in full flow for this match. Um, and they faced relegation battlers Cagliari who were missing Pedro, Balde, Zappa, Rog, Strutman, Valukovic, Cheter, Altare, and Cavuoti. So the tables really have turned here. They're facing Cagliari, who didn't even have a striker to play this match. And they ended up playing Gaston Pereiro up front. Cagliari were also coming off an impressive 1-1 draw to Fiorentina and had won three of their last four Serie A games against Atalanta. So 
very interesting matchup over here. Normally you'd bet on Atalanta to win, but obviously taking all these things into consideration, who the fuck knows? <laughs> so for the play-by-play in the first half, things were seeming pretty good for Atalanta. Obviously they didn't get that goal that they needed, but they were kind of controlling the game and they, they were doing bits. Basically, you know, their, their team was in full flow. But in the 50th minute, Pereira put the ball past Musso after Atalanta's defence was caught napping when Dalber whipped the ball into the box from distance. Um, that looked like it should have been picked up by Palomino, to be honest, mm-hmm. but yes. it, 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 it wasn't. Um, VAR also checked for a handball, but nothing was given. And Pereira managed to get a goal as, as the acting striker, basically. Two minutes later, Pereira found himself clean through on goal after Jim City failed to control a simple pass from his teammate. Musso rushed out of the box and took the player down, resulting in a free kick and a red card. Personally, I thought Musso got the ball, but, you know... It wasn't a a handball, it wasn't because he handled the ball outside the area. I believe the shot hit his left arm, no? Outside the area. Interesting. When there was the replay, I was looking at the keeper's feet. Interesting, and I saw that he got the ball first and then followed through with his legs. But if you're saying it's a handball, yeah, I think very it was much a handball. It makes more and sense. And that's the last man, as the last man that would naturally result exactly. in a red card. Um, so Pasalic went off and they brought on their substitute keeper, Rossi. Um, and a couple of minutes later, so in the 64th minute, Palomino headed in from close range after Zapata's shot was saved by Cranio. That was his first goal of the season and plus three for my Fanta. And four minutes later, in the 68th minute, Pereiro backed his second goal of the night after some great work by Bellanova. I can't stop thinking about Bellanova. He's so good. He outpaced Male in incredible fashion. He crossed the ball low and hard exactly to Pereiro. And Pereira managed to slot the ball in. So he went off injured, off. Poor, poor guy, Bellanova. He played Bellanova, really well and right? went off injured, yeah. He had a fucking good game, man. He, he's he's been pivotal for Cagliari, I feel. He's been really um, good since returning to Italy, please. Facts. Um what went wrong for Atalanta? Because obviously Cagliari were had half a squad playing, they didn't even have mm. a single striker, they're facing relegation, and Atalanta were fourth. Flying high, getting two draws when you know they, they barely mm-hmm. had players to, to field. What happened, man? Is it that they were playing four at the back? It's a weird one because on paper it's a four at the back, but when you watch them, it's not really a four at the back, is it? You have Coop Miners or Froiler dropping in deep, the wing backs advancing, and all of a sudden you have a three at the back formation again. You have the likes of Pasalic, Pessina, and Malinowski who are all quite similar behind Muriel over there. And uh, Muriel, who has, sometimes doesn't always perform as a starter, you know, mm. he, he tends to thrive coming on when everyone around him is kind of, you know, tired and he's fresh and he can beat them with his like bursts and acceleration and all that exactly. shit. Exactly. Um, the main problem I see over here is, first of all, the red card. Of course, mm. that goes without saying. Second of all, mm. the lack of options for for Atalanta right now. They brought on Boga, who hasn't had time to adapt yet. They brought on Mahila, who hasn't had time to adapt yet. And the the next sub they made was Mele, you know? So in reality, they don't really have many options off the bench. They brought on Duvan Zapata, and similarly to the whole Gossens situation, he got injured and went off Mm -hmm. again. You know, Gossens was extremely pissed with Atalanta for mishandling him when he was injured. And actually, them forcing him to play aggravated his injury. And that's part of the reason he actually left to go to winter. The same thing happened with Duvan Zapata. You know, you have to take care of your players. 
Don't rush no, them. No. Don't rush them. I understand that you need a win here, but you don't rush Duvan Zapata back. He's so important to your team. You know, no, absolutely, man. And absolutely. I, I think that, that aside from this, um, I spoke a bit about having four at the back for, for Atalanta. I think Jim City was fucking horse wank in this game, man. <laughs> I think Jim City was terrible. And, and I'm not only talking about the ball that he miscontrolled, but he just seemed a step behind the play the entire time. You know what I mean? I, I feel like he found it difficult to keep up with the momentum that Cagliari were throwing in the second half. What do you think? I I thought he was better in the air than he was on the ground, if that makes any sense. Uh, you know what I mean? I like, every time mean. he gets in an aerial duel, he seems to win it, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yes, I I do think he wasn't fantastic, and, and they certainly missed Demiral. Um, mm-hmm. Did Dalbert play? As, he started as a striker, right? Dalbert? Yeah. Dalbert started as a striker alongside Pereiro this game, I think. I think Pereira was the sole striker. I, well, he must have played behind behind Pereira, just yeah. behind Pereira. It's out of position regardless because Liko Giannis was on the left and that's where Dalbert typically mm-hmm. plays. Um, but very interesting to see Mazzari um, pulling out a rabbit out of the hat, out of nowhere, you know, uh, without Joao yeah, Pedro. And, and Gaston Pereira, what a game. Two goals and he yeah, got he, he was the so one who got Musso sent off too. So what a game from, from mm-hmm. him. I didn't think he had... No, he, he had this in his locker. The, the the victory was was up to Pereira. I mean, he had big boots, very big boots to fill in um, uh, Joao Pedro, big boots to fill in Keita Balde as well. And he did a fantastic job. Man, the guy normally plays out wide, so it's no easy task just throwing him in as, as the main focal point striker. And I think he did a great job of that. But obviously, I mean, what more could you... Like, you'd normally just ask for a single goal. But the guy got two goals and he got their keeper sent off as well. Yeah. So, definitely a man of the match performance for Pereira. I think he was excellent. And I think he's found himself a new role as well. I think he might be plugged in there a bit more often. Sure, sure. And they have Keita Balde um, <laughs> back now as well. So, definitely mm-hmm. a few interesting options for, for Cagliari. Well, they, they, pl- they paid 10 million for him back in 2020. So, Pereira? It, it was due. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. it was due for him to step up. Okay, cool. Uh, where did he come from? Do you know the team he was with before? Um, I knew this yesterday when I was doing my prep, but I forgot. Let me just look that up real quick. So, sure, Gaston no Pereira, we're talking about. Yes, he played a really good market, game. Obviously. Not an insane game, man. He was brilliant. Um, so, he joined from PSV Eindhoven. He joined from PSV Eindhoven in January of 2020, actually on transfer deadline day. And they signed him for 10 million. Mm, nice. Okay. A good coup by them. Um, it has no, to be said as well that um, the the guy they played at the back, Cagliari, the 19-year-old Robert without the R, Obert, <laughs> played pretty well. <laughs> and even Lovato played well. <clears throat> and these guys Lovato are, are 19 and 21, res- respectively. Like Pretty good. And Goldenig as well came in and did a, did a great job. Mm-hmm. Things are definitely looking better for Cagliari and they're out of that relegation zone. Now that definitely doesn't mean that they're out of out of da- the danger zone, but they definitely are, they're definitely looking better than they were. I think they dominated the second half. I think they were much better at the second half. They did a fantastic job at keeping their shape whilst going forward and staying disciplined at the same time. So they didn't leave space for Atalanta to really counterattack and catch them off guard. I think their midfielder of Grassi, Marin, and they all are really good. They both they, they all 
put in tackles and drove the ball forward well. They drove the ball to the wings really well as well. And then the wings were able to to involve uh, Pereira in the game very quickly. And I think Cagliari just hit the nail on the head in this one, man. It was they no did. easy task playing Spot on. Atalanta, who are in fucking in you know, pretty much full flow, man. In Bergamo as well. Yeah. And an incredible, incredible win for Cagliari. This might be, apart from you know Spezia, Milan, and a couple of other games in, in the past, I think it's one of the biggest upsets we see this season. Yes, yes, for sure. I have to agree with you here. Everyone thought that this was going to be a 3-0 an easy 3-0 for Atalanta with a Muriel brace in the first 15 minutes, you know, exactly. the type of game. But it, it totally was not the case. They did, they did very well here. Exactly. Anything else? Uh, Atalanta, Atalanta are now so, so very on opposite ends of the spectrum. So Atalanta are now out of the Champions League yeah, zone, out of the top four. They're two points behind Juve, but have a game in hand. Cagliari, on the other hand, are now out of the relegation zone. And they're two points ahead of Venezia, but Venezia have that game in hand as well. So mirroring each other at each end of the table. Definitely. Interesting. So <laughs> the next game was between Fiorentina and Lazio, which ended 3-0 to Lazio. Um, My God, I was not expecting that, man. Me neither. <laughs> the first thing I saw when tuning into this game was a young gentleman holding up a sign which read, Who needs Vlaovic? Um, Fiorentina could, could use him, to be honest. Hey, it wouldn't be a bad shout. Um, this was not, of course, what the Fiorentina fans <laughs> wanted to see after losing Duzan. His impact, his immediate impact for Juventus was basically salt in Fiorentina's three open wounds. Um, mm. Lazio have leapfrogged Fiorentina on the table, ending La Viola's seven-game unbeaten streak at home and drawing level on points with their city rivals, Roma, in the process. So this was a big game for Lazio. Mm -hmm. Very success. <laughs> the play-by-play, -play, very quickly. In the 52nd minute, um, a perfect defence-splitting ball by Zakani came through to Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, who um, put the ball in the back of the net, of course. The defenders were left as mere bystanders at this point, particularly Milinkovic and Beragi. It was played right between them. They had no idea who should um, take responsibility for the ball. And they just, you know, bystanders, literally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was a VAR review um, for, for Fiorentina later on when Castrovilli ran into Luis Felipe, but it was deemed to not be a penalty. In the 70th minute, Immobile scored as the ball came over the top. He was cleaned through and just like that, boom. He's so reliable in 1v1 situations. Nastasic was particularly slow here, it has to be said. He looked like sure. he could not keep up with Immobile whatsoever. In the 81st minute, Biragi scored an own goal. It was a very similar situation where a ball over the top came to Immobile. Nastasic didn't even bother running this time. He was like jogging. Mm. Um, Chiro rounded the goalkeeper and placed it in. Biragi got a touch to it on the way in and it... And it went in. To be honest, Bragi could have done a little bit better there. Yeah, but yes, in the probably. 85th minute, Torreira started calling the referee a motherfucker and got sent off. <laughs> he thought he was <laughs> That's fouled. Exactly what happened, Literally, though. he was swearing at it. He was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> but he got sent off, and it pretty much summed up Fiorentina's entire performance. 3 0 to Lazio. So I'm going to start off by asking the most obvious question of them all, bro. Would Vlaovic have made the difference to the outcome of this game? Yes, it would be, well, definitely he'd make an impact because he's he probably would have put himself in certain situations that Cabral, just not knowing the team as well as Vlaovic did, 
he, Vlaovic would have put himself in certain situations that could have potentially put Fiorentina ahead on, on a couple of occasions. So, um, and the way he used to drive the ball forward. So it's definitely a huge loss for Fiorentina. They lost the top scorer in the league and it's hard to recover both on the pitch and both mentally for the players as mm. well. So Callejon and Sotil looking up and not seeing Vlaovic. That'll impact them slightly. They have this new guy, Cabral, that's like over illegal. Boss, 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 boss. Doing that every, <laughs> so eager. Doing that every so eager. minute, you know what I mean? So it's it's unsettling times for Fiorentina at the moment. Um, but they just need to get used to the new system, having a big boy like Cabral up front. He doesn't exactly have yeah. pace about him. He's he's more of a guy you need to feed. So Kai Hans going to need to work on his crosses. And they might want to plug in Saponara even more often. I totally agree with that. Vlaovic particularly loved Saponara, as I always mention. He used to call him El Professore del Calcio or some shit mm-hmm. like that in Italian, which basically means the professor of football because of his massive, mm-hmm. massive, massive footballing brain. Um, you didn't tell the viewers that, that I got you. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, a Saponara kit. Uh, Matty got me a Saponara kit for my birthday, Fiorentina, number eight. Love it. Love it, love it. If we ever start doing video, I'll wear it every now and then. Why not? Not for sure. Now, um, we will do video. We will do video. Vlaovic could maybe, like, I don't think he would have changed the outcome of this game at all. I think this game was was lost, regardless of Vlaovic or Cabral were playing. But maybe Vlaovic would have converted the Cabral header that he got early on. Um, Cabral, uh-huh. Cabral that, that, did that well, for but, sure. But he might have done better. Vlaovic is one of the best in those situations. But I have to say, Cabral looks very promising. He looks. He looks fucking pumped, man. You know, someone make him a sandwich uh-huh. like he's starving. But the quicker <laughs> he, he, he gets... Does, he does look pumped. I just hope he, he can convert, you know what I mean? We've seen him convert in, in wherever else he used to play before. But, but yeah, not, not, not exactly against Lazio. But he'll pick up, I'm sure. He will. I'm, I'm pretty sure, too. Um, I just hope he gets his goal <laughs> sooner rather than later or the pressure is really going to start mounting. Now, the question is, bro... Mm-hmm. Would you start Cabral or Piontek? Apparently, Piontek was out for this game. Um, he took a bit mm-hmm. of a knock. He wasn't 100%. That's the reason why Cabral started. Now, remember, Piontek has already scored for Fiorentina. Would you start Piontek or Cabral in the next one? So, that's such a good question, man. I'm, I'm um, full of them, man. You're full of them today. Um, so, it's, it's such a debate because then again, you want to give Cabral as many minutes as possible so that he gets used to the system and he gets used to the league. Because eh? that's, that's the best way that you're going to start getting performances out of him. But then you have Piontek who kind of knows the league already and, and he did bits at Genoa and Milan as well. So it's a tough one. I would probably... Oh my God, dude. Oh my God, it's such a tough one. I would probably start Cabral just simply because I want him to get minutes and I want him to become... I think Cabral's ceiling is a bit higher than Piontek's ceiling. So for that reason, I would probably give Cabral as many minutes as possible. What would you do? Um, for the next game, I would probably start Piontek and bring Cabral on in the 60th minute. Look at us disagreeing. Huh? Oh, yes. Um, why? Because I here? believe that every spot needs to be earned. And it's not fair that you know you bring Piontek in and he scores and you bench him just because you brought in someone who's more valuable. Who cost oh, more? Socialism coming you know, through it, in you, bro. It, no, it's just, it's it's only <laughs> fair, right? It's only fair no, to, I get you. to play who's playing better. Now Cabral will have the opportunity to play better. You know, give him thirty minutes, no problem, give, and ease him in, no pressure. You know, um, I highly yeah, I doubt that that's what's gonna happen. You know, Cabral was brought in to be the main guy, and probably he will start the next game. 
Mm -hmm. Probably, probably. Okay. I was surprised not to see Ikone starting. I, I thought we'd, we'd, see, we'd see him start this game, especially against Lazio. I think Ikone has been good coming off the bench mm -hmm. so far for Fiorentina. And I definitely see, I think in the next few games, we'll start seeing him starting for them. I definitely think he has way more to offer than Kayahon. For man. sure. Surely. For sure. Surely. Kayahon's one of those annoying players who trains really well. That's why he keeps playing. Ah, but he fits the system. Like I, I get why because he's tactically intelligent as yes, well, yes, and we've seen that Italiano would rather choose a tactically intelligent player than a naturally gifted player or a mm. quick player or a strong player. Just like he chose Saponara ahead of Sotil and Gonzalez, and like he's choosing Cajon over Sotil as well, and and potentially even Icon in in the future moving forward. But I think Icon is going to be one of Serie A's best players should he get the ground running, man. Should he hit the ground running rather? Um, I think he'll be one of the best players in the league. Most definitely, man. He was an animal at Lille. He was really good. Mm -hmm. um, but this was the type of game. This was literally a flawless game by Lazio. And it's crazy because they, they have come out with these displays this year. Particularly, for example, the game against Inter. You know, But then they have mm -hmm. had and shockers. The game against Roma exactly, as well. The game against Roma was fantastic by them and then they fight shockers like the one against Bologna for example so mm. very very weird the situation they're in like you know you look at Lazio this game and I, I'd say they're a, they're a top team in the league what a game mm -hmm. it was the midfield was flawless Pedro was really good as usual Zaccani Luis Alberto Luis was a fucking he was joke driving. in this game how good he was. Oh, he was he was a Rolls Royce this game how he was fucking I've never driving. seen him drive the ball up like that he drove well on multiple occasions really dragged the ball forward normally that's Sergei's role or Leva's role you know what I mean and Luis Alberto kind of gives that final pass mm -hmm. It's but true, you don't often see him driving for that much, right? It was like... Fuck me, it's work rate was that. I've never seen his hair flow like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, his hair is always flowing, to be honest with you. And he but... played well with Zakani as well. There was a little partnership going on there as well. Two very intelligent players. And I think Zakani was fucking great as well, man. He was, he was very good, very, very good. Um, this was Immobile's 18th goal of the season, tied with Duzan. Who do you think will go all the way? Vlaovic. You think Vlaovic? I think Immobile. I think We've already Vlaovic. had this, actually. You think Vlaovic and I think Immobile, yes. So uh -huh. we'll see. And it's good you to want see to put money on it? Change their mind. How much? You, you want to put like an uncomfortable amount, like like 50 euro? 50 like, euro. Let's not, like, let's not put a fiver, you know what I mean? Yeah. People will think we're pussies. So, <laughs> we'll fucking some... put a 50. Okay, okay, 50 euro. Or a kit, or a... No, a no, kit? That, that's too much. That's like 80 euro, though. Oh, but it is much nicer. Oh, let's fucking do a kit, dog. Okay, Fuck it. we do a kit. Let's do a okay. kit, a mystery kit. A mystery nice. kit, okay. okay. So you heard and it then, here, guys. And then we announce on, on Instagram. We'll put a picture of it when it's done. Okay. Exactly. Nice, I'm excited. Okay, I'll write that. Duvan. Duzan. <laughs> yeah, you're not talking about Zapata, huh, bro? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, uh, gambling. Now... The <laughs> next point I wanted to mention was um, Fiorentina's defense. Wow, man. Absolutely shambolic. Milinkovic ah, is a man. shadow of his former self. Um, hey. Nastasic, not to standard. Biragi scores two free kicks in one game, gets sent off in the next and gets an own goal in the other. Hey, What's, uh, no, he misses, a, he misses a penalty, actually, in the next game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, they were honestly the defense was in shambles, and Italiano can't stop stressing it how how poor they're playing defensively. 
In the last game as well, there were multiple individual errors at the back, man, just giving the ball away. Like, I don't get it, man. Um, And you would think that they would have made some signings in January eh, at the back. To address, they say, no, apparently not. Uh Apparently Cabral... It didn't seem to be a focal point because, you know, Piontek and Cabral, well, they needed to address the whole, you know, Vlaovic and Kokorin situation. Definitely. Um, They have money in the back. They definitely need to brush up. I think that's the only place Fiorentina are lacking this year. I think they just need a couple of good defenders, man. Um, maybe a bit more creativity here and there in the midfield because they do tend to rely on those front three a bit too much. But otherwise, I think I think Fiorentina were overpowered. It, it was very end-to-end the game. And it was either, I think as soon as Lazio got the second goal, which was kind of against the run of play because I thought Fiorentina were coming back into it. I think there was a slight momentum shift over there. But mm-hmm. as soon as Lazio got the second goal, it was like, all right, how many are Lazio going to get? Heads yeah. dip down for Fiorentina, you know what I mean? Lazio looked excited. They've got a, a hell of a lot of players that want to prove themselves. So it, it, it went the way it was expected, to be honest. Definitely. Um, I would just bring in a centre-back and a right-back as soon as possible for them. That's probably what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Probably cash in on Milenkovic because he has some value to him and literally replace him with someone someone reliable i don't know i'm not going to give them the advice um drama <laughs> elitare against sari um allegedly oh allegedly sari has given an ultimatum to the director to lotito he told him in june you have to choose between me and T- or tare basically um tare is the sporting director apparently they have different ambitions you know sari wants to be more involved in the market tare is telling him to go suck a fuck what do you think? <laughs> who would who would you if you were Lotito? Who would you kick out? I have no idea, dude. Really? I'm not. I'm, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. Um, I don't know enough about about um, uh, Altare. Is it? I don't know enough about Ilitares you know, contributions to the team to, to make a decision over mm-hmm. here. Na- naturally, I would always normally go for the manager because these guys know the players firsthand and, and they mm-hmm. need to make all the, you know, all the tangible decisions. But I don't know, man. Maybe if you have more insight, you can educate me. Um, unfortunately, I, I do not. I was going to say that um, it very much depends on how the system plays out and how the mood in the dressing room is. We know that there was some drama between Luis Alberto and Lazio. Now, if it means, you know, getting rid of Tare to keep Sarri, Sarri, but you lose three of your top players, for example, that's not worth it. You know? mm, mm. Like one thing, one thing I don't like is the person that's actually bringing up the ultimatum. Like, I don't like being put in that situation. Like, if yeah. Sarri were to come up to me, let's say I'm the fucking CEO or whatever, and there's me listening to choose between me and the guy. Like, the first thing I would think of, all right, so Sarri is not a team player. Sarri just mm-hmm. wants to get rid of the problems rather than trying to make amends. So that's definitely something that can that can come into play. But I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I don't know what they'll do, but, but it'll be interesting to see it shape out. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. A rare good game from Patrick, by the way. Um, hope- Patrick, fantastic assist in that second goal and a yeah, mobile as goal. Really Brilliant good. ball over the top. SpongeBob man. wasn't Great bad ball. either. <laughs> Let's move on because, bro, this <laughs> is going to be the longest episode in the history it, of podcasts. be the longest episode. So let's move over to the other side of Rome as Roma drew to Genoa the score of nil nil. So it was a nil nil. Sorry, it was a two nil away victory in the reverse fixture for Roma who at this point were coming off a two-match winning streak, looking to make it a three-match winning streak 
for the first time since their opening three matches of the season when Mourinho was just appointed. So crazy. They, they had the opportunity to, to equal that and they weren't capable of doing so. And this was also Mourinho's 100th match in the Serie A. So crazy on that end as well. Now, Roma were missing their captain Pellegrini, but that's absolutely no excuse for this embarrassing result as they still have the likes of Mkhitaryan and Oliveira to replace him in that role. Genoa were coming off a well-earned draw versus Udinese, which is no easy feat, as we saw in this match day, which we'll discuss later on. Now, historically, Genoa love beating Roman teams in the Serie A. Um, they've racked up 32 wins against Roma in their history and 37 against Lazio. But they wish they had that against the Milan teams in Serie A. Huh? Mm-hmm. But unfortunately for them, it's not the case. So I'll run you through the play-by-play. In the first minute of the match, Damiano David from Maneskin was spotted in the stands supporting <laughs> his side drama. It is yet to be confirmed, but the Roma players seem to be confused and asked each other questions like, why men have such nice eyelids? Why men, but pretty face? This man is making me fuori di testa. And last but not least, I want to see this man's testa. <laughs> Roma seemed out of sorts after this um, and had a couple of opportunities to go ahead with attempts from Zaniolo, Abraham, Oliveira and Smalling getting close but not close enough. In the 68th minute, Ostigard saw red after wrestling Felix to the ground as the last man. He had his hand around his throat and he literally threw him onto the ground, was incredibly dumb by the new signing, was having a really good matchup until this point, man. Mm-hmm. In the 93rd minute, <laughs> Zaniolo scored an absolute wonder goal, man. He took on two to three players and finished from outside the box into the bottom corner with his back towards goal. It was insane. He ran off celebrating with his shirt off and his man bra on, um, only to be interrupted by the referee communicating with the VAR team. The goal didn't stand, as in the build-up to this goal, Abraham can be seen stepping on an opposition player and dispossessing him illegally. Zaniolo, as a result, walked up to the ref, told him to go fuck himself, and probably, to be honest, told him some cruel shit, and he got a red card for that. The, The ref pulled out a red card instantly, so I don't think it was a second yellow. I think it was that overboard that it's like, all right, you can't say that, fuck you, red card. So... That happened. The many moods of Nicolo Zaniolo in five minutes. We saw everything. Man. We saw him, his entire spectrum as a player and as a being. We saw it in those five minutes. What he's capable <laughs> of doing, his attitude, like issues that arise every now and then. But yeah. mm-hmm. I'm going to bring up Fanta again because okay. I have Zaniolo and Fanta. And the fact that first he got a plus three and I'm like, okay, fucking right. Then he got a minus like one because he took his shirt off. And then the goal didn't start, so he's down to a 5.5. And then he gets sent off, so he's down to like a 2.5. I'm like, fuck this, man. What a roller coaster. Um, so let me move over to the talking points a little bit, brother. So Please. I'm going to start this one off with a quick would you rather. Mm-hmm. So would you rather watch Roma play football ever, mm-hmm. make excuses for Lazio losing forever, or live for a day as Kurt Zuma's captain. <laughs> it's a tough one, man. Choose wisely. So the second option is basically, what do you say? Would I rather, would I like make so excuses rather, for Roma every week? No, either watch Roma play football okay. ever. Okay. Make excuses for Lazio losing forever. Okay. Or live for a day as Kurt Zuma's captain. 
Um, well, the last one is totally out of the ad, probably the, Ro- <laughs> the Roma one, right? The Roma one, unfortunately. Uh, I just, they are not fun to watch. Man, They're not year. fun to watch at all, but they have a few players I like. Like, I like Zaniolo, I like Mkhitaryan, so it's not the end of the world. I like Pellegrini and as well. I like, I like, what's his name? I, you know, I dislike Mourinho, of course, because of everything he stands for. But at the end of the <laughs> day, he's the villain, and I like watching the villain. Uh-huh, it's as simple uh-huh. as that. But I do think that it's his his style of play that kind of makes them unattractive to watch, man. No, for sure. Like I I do not like I can't stress enough how much I dislike watching Roma play. Like it it it's not fun. It like there's nothing that flows about them. There isn't smooth passing. It's just like they're trying way too hard from the get go, and they just keep getting dispossessed. You know what I mean? And they're winning the ball back and trying again and getting dispossessed. It's 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 not attractive. It's not like Milan who play the ball around and and you see Salamakers holding the ball up and Calabria uh, overtakes and or like Inter do with Zerko coming back and flicking the ball onto Lautaro. There is no swagger about Roma yeah. whatsoever, man, at all. Zero. I've said this so many times. That I'm sick of myself. Like, but they have no game plan, man. You see zero, this game, they couldn't zero. convert any of their set pieces. Boom, nil nil against Genoa. Exactly. You know, literally. That's it. Had they they got they got bro. They had listen to this. They got twenty three shots away. Twenty three shots away. Fourteen were off target. Six were blocked, and three were on target. They had three shots on target only against Genoa. And Sirigo one of them is probably the Zaniolo goal. And they had fucking Sirigo. Genoa had three, bro. So in this game, not only was it nil nil, but Genoa and Roma had the exact same amount of shots on target you know what i mean it's roma genoa we're talking about it's a relegation battle team against a champions league battle team against a europa league battle team yeah an absolute mismatch and for roma to put in the performance that they did to me was shocking man disastrous for sure i I agree with you man there's not much left to say about roma to be honest with you man They, they need to get creative that's it and they have the facilities. Yeah. I think uh, Mourinho <laughs> needs to give them a bit more freedom, uh, you know, because Mkhitaryan isn't a rigid player. Mkhitaryan is the type of mm-hmm. player who'll see a pass. He's creative. If you give him a bit of liberty, exactly. he can do it. Zaniolo too, you know. And even to a certain extent, Oliveira. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. why are you so rigid? Why are you limiting these guys? Exactly. Yeah, but, but uh, man, to be honest, I don't know. It can't be their individuals because their individuals on paper are fantastic footballers like, like the players you just highlighted now yeah. uh, it just seems like there's a lack of it i wouldn't even say it's a lack of motivation because all the players seem like they're trying really hard mm. man you know what i it's mean it's a lack of ideas uh, exactly I, like like you said and like you keep on saying there's there's no game plan whatsoever let me move over to genoa because at least we've got some good news over mm-hmm. here it's obviously a massive improvement under their third manager of the season blessing obviously he's been doing much better than than Sheva and um, yes. fucking hell. Who was the manager before that? Or am I blanking? Uh, out? Ballardini. Ballardini. Um, Badel had a great game, bro. Badel five tackles, one is a two highly rated one. player. I remember Milan were after him at a point. Um, mm. He's a very solid midfielder. He dispossessed the opponents five times in this match, man. He won two aerial duels as well, and and you know what I mean mm. when when there's a 
a goal kick that Rui Patricio gives you off and found himself up against Tammy Abraham and he did a good job over there. Just a solid structure in front of that defenseman. Gives gives the defence something to rely on. So he did a good job in this game and he's done a good job over the course of the season. Um, now Genoa's next game is against Salernitana as they're looking to get some wins under their belt. Six how do you think this goes, man? Exactly. How do you think it goes? That's a six-pointer. I'm not sure how it goes. I need to see more of Salernitana, man. I don't know. But everything fiber in my being screams um, Genoa win every fiber in my being says it's going to be an absolute goal fest like like a 3-2 like a 3-2 even like a 3-3 man I I see them going crazy in this game because both can struggle defensively Um, normally I wouldn't I wouldn't really give Salernitana the credit of being good going forward but you know with, with Verdi in the team now Scoring goals, it, it might be interesting exactly. to see. You know, Verdi should join Roma, man. Hey, maybe man, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll score a few mm. more set pieces. Why not? Mm-hmm. Um, Piccoli came on for for Genoa. I, I was hoping it start, but of course he needs to be eased into it, as we're saying, uh-huh. like the whole Cabral thing. Um, exactly. Piccoli is an exciting one for them. Also, I found out today. Do you know that Portanova's father also played football and he also played for Genoa and for Bologna? Yes, yes. Was he any good? Uh, he has caps. Huh? He has Syria caps, quite a few. Um, but he doesn't have an honors section on Wikipedia, so I don't think he's ever won. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I think Portanova's brighter as a player then. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but anyway, I don't think there's much to add in this game whatsoever. We can move on. A very dull performance by Roma, and Genoa managed to hold their own. Roma now find themselves in seventh place, six points away from a Champions League spot. Genoa, on the other hand, are in 19th place and six points away from safety. Yes, and I forgot to mention before the standings for the Fiorentina and Lazio game, of course. Or I might have mentioned them, but not at the end. And basically, Fiorentina are 8th with 36 points. Lazio are 6th with 39 points. Um, apologies, that's I'm, I'm the worst at that. <laughs> <laughs> to Matthew's dismay. Now... The next ah, game okay. took place between Sampdoria and Sassuolo and then did 4-0 to Sampdoria. Massive, Madonna, massive victory eh? for Giampaolo and his men. <laughs> now, Sassuolo were haunted by somebody that they used to know as their ex-players <laughs> scored against them. Two ex-players scored against them in Caputo and um, Sensi, actually. But anyway, Sassuolo came into this game undefeated in their last five league games. And Sassuolo had only lost one of their previous ten league games against Sampdoria. So I'm sure many people saw that stat, put a bet, and were completely disappointed. Mm-hmm. And will hate Sassuolo until the very day they die. Play-by-play, um, play, very quickly, in the fifth minute, Caputo scored. It was a lovely assist by Kandreva. Kandreva, the man of the match, in my opinion. Um, in everyone's opinion, actually. Um, Ka- Caputo's goal here is underrated. He made a difficult volley look very simple. That's uh, bro, it was a stunning goal by Caputo. Stunning goal. And he celebrated so passionately. Goes to show that maybe he wasn't too keen on Sassuolo letting him go. Um, mm. In the seventh minute, Sensi scored. There was chaos in the box and he got a rebound. Basically, in the 63rd minute, another lovely Kandreva cross and an amazing finish by Andrea Conti, of all people. Um, seems to be finding his footing again. I'm happy for mm-hmm. him. I have a point, actually, to make about Conti and Sensi. I'll get to that very soon. And in the 91st minute, Kandreva scored a Panenka penalty um, 
Fun fact about the Panenka penalty, it's named after the Czech attacking midfielder Antonin Panenka, who notably oh, okay. scored the winning penalty at Euro 1976 in the final against West Germany by gently chipping the ball down the middle, and that's where the Panenka was created. Hmm. Very interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, basically, bro, I have a theory about Conti and Sensi. The fact that these guys okay. were training with Inter and with Milan. Right, mm. means that we haven't really seen much of them this year, but they were training with the best, so their training sessions uh-huh. were literally a level above their current training sessions. So these guys were clearly set to thrive in this setting, and here they yeah, are, and they're sure, thriving. Man. You know, they're uh, two goals for each of them, like <clears throat> one goal each. That's that's pretty fucking good. That's a good start. And Sensi looked mm. really good, and Kassan actually praised him. He said that... Um, Kassan said he's the best midfielder in the league yeah. at the moment. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you, the only problem Sensi has mm. in his game, the only flaw, is his injury record. Because other than that, he's a bloody good player. Huh? Oh, he's, he's very a good man, Sensi. And I'm glad that we're, get, we're getting to see it at full flow at Sampdoria. And I'm glad we're getting to see that with Conti as well. I mean, what a fucking game by Conti, man. And obviously, he's, he's picked up two goals for them. Now, I'm, I'm pretty sure one of them was in the Coppa, but, but mm-hmm. that still counts in my opinion. Of course. Um, Sampdoria, man. And, and, but, but just to go back to the point of, of Conti and Sensi, like you said, they've been training with the best, man. They would bring something new to training. They would for bring sure. insight. All the players would want to be around them. Oh, what's Lautaro like, man? Yeah. What's Lautaro <laughs> like, you know? And that that would be very popular among the training camps, and they would bring that something new, man. They might not be, you know, star players, but they will be the star players of these teams, man. Yeah, definitely, bro. Um, it's nice seeing Caputo playing with players next to him, <laughs> not in total isolation. Of course, he he had Sensi behind him and Gabbiadini alongside him. Gabbiadini, poor guy, tore his ACL this game, and that's what prompted the move um, for Jovinko, as we discussed in our intro. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think Jovinko can have an impact with this team, bro? He's 35 years old. He had 12 goals in 57 games for Al Hilal. More recently, what can he do here? It's it's interesting, man. Because one thing, one strength he always had at his arsenal was his pace. And does he still have that at 35 years old? Now, aside from that, he was quite an intelligent player. Mm-hmm. He does remind me a bit of Insignia in a more central role. You know what I mean? Like he could really hold the ball back well and kind of provide passes and assists mm. but there will be a bit of ring rust over there and i think it'll be hard for him to settle back in um it'll be interesting to see i i personally think he'll struggle man i don't know man i i, I look at sensi caputo jovinko that sounds like a bunch of annoying mosquitoes aha uh-huh, but but if if he loses his pace then he loses 90 percent of his traits you know what but I he mean? Could, like, That's always what he was renowned for. But it wasn't his pace more than his like ability to insert himself and to accelerate in the tight spaces. I think that that's what it is. Like he he's the type of player that can first of all he's 35, right? 35? Did we say he's mm. 35? Mm-hmm. Um yep. which means that he's exceptionally seasoned. Now the problem is he's been away from the top league so he might struggle. He might struggle for sure. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day this is a good player. Huh? This is a player who who knows that for example he doesn't have blistering pace anymore so he's not he might not try to do that, you know. He might play mm-hmm. the intelligent balls, kind of, you know, hold the play up a little bit, you know, feed Caputo, play it back to Sensi, play it to Kandreva, you know, things. He has it he's set up to succeed here. So we'll we'll see. 
Uh, well, if, if for example, he, he becomes the rigorista of the team or we know he can hit free kicks as well and, and corners, um, should he get onto those early, then maybe he can get he can get a bit of confidence going on about him and maybe his form can be high. Um, but at 35 years old, I, I, I see him struggling quite a bit to, to make a mark at, at Sampdoria. And I think the second, maybe one of the other guys are fit. So Qualiarella or... Gabbiadini will be seeing them starting ahead of him. I'm quite sure. Maybe they'll plug him in on as a as a substitute, and maybe he can bring something on to the game, much like Nani does for Venezia, for example. Yeah, a very similar I don't situation. See him, uh-huh. I don't see him as, as doing much more than that. You know, so he definitely won't be their star player. No, no, no. Their star player is Antonio Candreva, and that's the perfect segue. Wow, wow, wee wow. Last week, I, I criticized Gianpaolo for playing Candreva as a trequartista. I was like, what the hell is he doing? So. This time he decided to play her even to play him even further back in the three-man midfield, mm-hmm. and to my surprise, he was absolutely incredible. Like, but he was dropping very wide. Huh? He, of we were course, him quite quite wide out. For sure, for sure. Um, he he does for like drift quite wide, but um, this might be. Now I know I'm gonna const- I'm gonna totally, you know, be I'm gonna be hypocrite over here. I'm gonna completely mm-hmm. go against what I said last week. But there, there, you might be able to make an argument that Kandreva, at his age, playing him more centrally, you get to preserve his energy. You're not wasting all his energy, you know, chasing the ball down the wing. So maybe from a career point uh-huh. of view, like where he is in his career right now, this is the move, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we see it happen very commonly with... Fullbacks and wingers, like we saw Ronaldo, for example, starting off as a winger and then maturing into a number nine. Um, we saw Van Bommel start off as an attacking midfielder and then dropping into a more conservative mm-hmm. midfielder. And probably we'll, we'll see it happen with Kandreva as well. I mean, to me, I didn't see an issue with him playing wing back at all. Actually, I, I thought I thought he was phenomenal I, I would mistake him for a 27 one of the best you know in mean? the league and he's 34 years old exactly he, he played like a guy in his prime definitely I agree exactly exactly but one thing that he does have at his arsenal is he can fucking pass the ball and cross the ball and this is a position where 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 he could do that I wouldn't personally play him as an attacking midfielder but I think as a central midfielder he could really display his passing and maybe we could see him switch play a little bit as well and maybe overlap with the striker get involved with the wing back as well so this is this definitely gives him a bit more creativity i would feel yeah yeah um interesting for Gianpaolo, of course um i have to say that it's a good move for Sampdoria bringing him back in you know they look so much better they look way better than the versus 4-4-2 right now and mm-hmm. um you know good good things for them Good signs for uh-huh. him. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get carried away because it's simply one game and, and it could be a free cocker. And mm-hmm. so I'm not going to get carried away and say that they're they're back. You know what I mean? Yeah. But definitely a fucking good sign beating Sassuolo for an insane for performance sure. by them. Um, it has to be said here because, um, you know, going on to Sassuolo, we haven't really addressed what the fuck happened this game. <clears throat> mm. Dionisi was interviewed after the game and he said, don't ask me about individuals. I take full responsibility for the result. After the 4-0, what should I say? Sampdoria deserved to win, but not 4-0. The result is a lie. After seven minutes, you find yourself at 2-0, then two dead balls and you are at 3-0. The attitude against Torino had been positive. 
Now we have to play friendlies and lose 4-0 to have the right attitude. Of course, he referred to the game as a friendly. I'm not sure if that was a mistranslation or if he's saying, mm-hmm. you know, because they played so lethargically. Um, Sampdoria, uh, on the other hand, were not lacking this because Sampdoria had the desire to cut away from the relegation pool. Um, this fluctuating attitude must be changed in the will. They run and work hard, but it seems like we don't want to win the tackles. Second balls are often not ours. If there is will, no, sorry, if the will is not there, it is also difficult to train. So he's questioning the desire of the players, which we mm-hmm. often have done here for Sassuolo. True. He said, True. We need to take a bath in humility. I am here to take responsibility. Will must come first. Everything else follows. Now, do you think that the fact that Sassuolo don't have a great fan base to push them can potentially lead to complacency every now and then? Yeah, I think I think it's a number of factors, like you're saying for sure, and I think we've pointed it out before. I mean, the fact that they literally don't have you know the twelfth man as they as they call the supporters to push them forward in tough situations, then that must make it more difficult for them. I mean, we've seen these guys play at home. And their uh, their fans are outnumbered by by away supporters, so that's that's fucking disappointing. And I would I would hate to be in that situation had I been a Sassuolo player. For sure. Uh, and another thing would obviously be Sassuolo find themselves in quite a unique scenario where they're kind of midway, they're, they're mid, a mid table team. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And what would motivate a mid table team? It would be playing other mid table teams where. It's a real six-pointer because they want to build their way up and they want to be the best mid-table team that there is. And then playing the better teams because they want to impress the better teams. Maybe they'll get picked up by them or because they want to get an impressive three points against the Milans, the Romas, the That's Lazios, what it the is, Martinas. man. They play well. Sampdoria, they don't give a fuck, yeah, that's bro. Like, what's a win against Sampdoria? Like, little... Like, obviously, they're fully aware that three points are three points. But what's going to motivate them to go into a match against Sampdoria? You know what I mean? When they could be preparing for a match against some of the biggest teams in Italy or the six-pointers in the league. Sure, uh, that, that's a fair point, man. I think that's it, you know. Um, I have dubbed them as Robin Hood, uh, my most successful tweet ever. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's true. They play well against the better teams because they know they have the stage. They have the scouts. Mm. They have Juve watching. They have Milan watching. They have Napoli watching, you know. And they're a young team as well. Like Fratesi obviously doesn't want to spend his career at Sassuolo. Raspadori wants to go to winter desperately. Scamacca Scamacca will leave this summer. You know what I mean? So there's no loyalty within the team. I think there's obviously an argument for Ferrari, Consigli and Berardi, for example. Mm. But otherwise... None of these players have a career at Sassuolo, so do they really give a shit is the question. Definitely, that's the the problem. Now, um, table very quickly. Sure. And by very quickly, I mean extremely slowly. (laughs) Don't worry, don't worry, here we are. Sampdoria, (coughs) by coughing, bro, you're going to keep them in the mats. You have COVID, by the way, you tested. Um, well, I, I tested two days ago, but obviously I knew I was going to test negative because I didn't give it those three days to come out, but I just wanted to put everyone's mind that he is at work, mm. that I didn't fucking give them COVID. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to test again tomorrow. I, I, I would bet solid money that I have COVID, bro. Like I was freezing last night. <laughs> that was my first night. Sweating, like, so, like, I, 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 I don't feel terrible. To me going... <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't feel terrible, but I never do when I'm sick. You know what I mean? Like even when I got vaxxed and boosted and everything, I never fell incredibly ill. Um, I'm feeling like I got boosted. Oh, you know I what know. I mean? Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised, man. But I'll, I'll find out tomorrow. <laughs> it would be interesting to let you guys know next week. Yeah, so. we'll see. Um, I have muscle aches today. It's really bad. But anyway. Yes. Um, Sampdoria currently 16th with 23 points, while Sassuolo are 12th with 29 points. There you go. So the next game is another mid-table battle, really, between Udinese and Torino, where Udinese came out victorious two goals to nil. Now, remember in one of the previous episodes, I pointed out that there was one fixture that was won by both sides each season. Uh, Was that this one? This was it. Uh... This was it. And it happened again. The reverse fixture was a 2-1 Torino win. And this time Udinese won two goals to, to nil. And I had made a joke saying, I'll definitely get to try it in the prediction series next time round. I got it fucking wrong. Like I said Torino will win again. But whatever. Um, Udinese are coming off a nil-nil draw to Genoa, whilst Torino are also coming off a draw to Sassuolo. Arguably, they, they deserve to get away with a victory there. Um, Udinese have only won one of their last six AR matches at home to Torino, whilst Torino have gone unbeaten in 10 of their last 12 against Udinese. A week of upsets. Yep, literally, man. So the play-by-play, not a very exciting match until the 92nd minute, bro. This game was dead until the 92nd minute. Yeah. Mandragora received the second yellow card of the match and was sent off. I must say that was incredibly soft. So a player went up for a header and Mandragora made slight contact with the player's legs. Player went over. It was the second yellow and he was off. I didn't exactly agree with that. From a free kick, a few moments later, literally a few seconds later, Nahuel Molina scored a wonderful free kick, man. Just a curler. That This free kick was shaped up definitely for a near post cross. But he went for the near post strike. <laughs> he beat. There was absolutely nothing Vanya Milinkovic Savic could have done about it. One of the best free kicks we've seen uh, this season. And Udinese definitely have a couple of people that can hit them. In the, in the 96th minute, and then one of Udinese's players hoofed the ball upfield, hoping for a whistle. But what he got instead was Vanya trying to catch the ball and failing miserably and taking it down Pusetto once he took the ball off him. It was hilarious. Can I, can I say how this goal directly affected me? <laughs> yes, so on goes. both my fantasy football, I, I, mean, I take part in two <laughs> leagues. I was against someone who, um, who, who was a man down in each situation. And the way fantasy football works, if a player plays under 15 minutes, he doesn't get a vote. Now, Molina came on in the 81st minute. So he was <laughs> not going to get them a rating. But they were on the bench for both my opponents. He was on the bench for both my opponents, sorry. And he scored this free kick and put it up. To, he put his rating to a 10. So fucking me instantly. And I had Vanya Milinkovic-Savic in goal, who went from an 8 in two minutes down to a 2. So I lost on both my <laughs> football games. Fantastic. <laughs> It was it was uh, like it from from Vanya's point of view as well. Just inexperienced goalkeeping over there. I mean, the way he tried to handle that ball and, and obviously he lost it. And then the way he took the player out, just just you know grabbing his Still leg comical, from behind yeah. was. Uh huh. And, and I mean, the player took the shot on. It was cleared off the line as well. So it would more like more likely than not wouldn't have led to a goal. But 
fuck it, man. That's exactly what happened. Pusetto converted from the spot and it was 2-0 with the first goal coming in the 93rd minute, man. So, talking points. Very disappointing loss for Torino, particularly with the form they've been on. They've looked really convincing recently. Do you think the fact that Juric was in this... Juric was in the stands, had an impact on this? Um, probably, it always does psychologically. They don't have anyone breathing down their neck, you know, so I would say yes, probably. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about the red card? Do you think that would have made a difference? It was in the 92nd minute. No, 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 no. The game, the game should have been won or lost before. The, actually, wait a second, it was in the 92nd minute. The, the free kick was a result of that red card, right? I believe so. so. Yes. I believe so. Because, <laughs> uh, I, I think so. It was probably the turning so, point for them. I'm not sure because I thought the foul happened further up the field. But according to this, it said foul in the 92nd, red card, and then the free kick in the 93rd. So that would probably be as a result of that. Normally it takes a minute to get the guy sent off and score a free kick. Okay, it wouldn't take any longer. Sure. So I wouldn't be surprised Juric, if that's the case. Juric has criticized Torino's ability to stay focused in a game. And this is literally another reason where they've fucking proved them right. Mm. Literally, man. Literally. I think I think that's... It would be the case, eh, man? Like, I play, like, one hour long, five asides, and I lose concentration. And I always, like, I never take it into account when thinking of footballers, like... Uh, they they would have just not been thinking at that point. You know what I mean? Because I'd be rest assured that they have 90 minutes fully focused on the game. Yeah. But footballers are human and they of do course. tend to they have switch off. Of they switch off, of course. And and not only do they switch off, they they panic as well. Like, like the, again, back to the derby, the Milan-Inter game. Um, the goals came in quick succession. They were probably still mm-hmm. shocked. Like I said, it was like the Liverpool yeah, game, man. Exactly. So it's all about momentum. It's all about reacting. Now, you know, there, there's a statistic that shows the mo- the time when you're most likely to score a goal is right after another goal was scored, be it by your exactly. team or be it by the opposing team. Exactly. Hormones and endorphins all over the place. Like yes. Now, Udinese, a good thing about them is that they can really tire a team yeah. out, man. They're, they're a tough team to play. Like they, they get physical, they get dirty, they pass the ball around. They will tire teams out. They go till the very last second and we've seen it time and time again this season. And to be honest, Udinese Torino would be a very physical game. And I think Udinese firmly got the upper hand in this one. For sure. For sure. Um, we should probably pick up the pace with the last two because we're two hours in. Oh, but speaking of pace, it's better only pace. Boom. It's better only pace. He missed a few chances, didn't he? I've seen him recently. Yeah, I'm not sure really it was well. this game, but he exactly he tends to miss the one-on-ones against Savage. This time, I believe he missed a few. Um, yeah, is he did. only pace? No, no, no. He's strength as well. He's exactly strength and pace. No, he holds up the play well. He's got a good shot on him. He's 24 years old. No, I, I think the, that killer instinct is will, will come to him. You know. He needs more time. You know, he exploded at Udinese. He's not ready for a of big course, move yet. No. He needs to chill at Udinese and do a bit a bit better, you know, just just every year improving a little bit. 100%. So to give you an update on the standings, so Udinese are currently in 14th place on 27 points, whilst Torino are in 32nd place with a game in hand and one point behind Verona. So they they could potentially move move up the rankings a little bit, but they do need to start getting some wins here. 
No, the next game took place between Bologna and Empoli, which also ended in nil. How boring, Serie A. So Bologna, <laughs> Bologna's attack falls flatter than Mihailovic's hat. <laughs> An abnormal nil-nil is what Andrea Zoli chose to describe this game as, and he's absolutely <laughs> right. Um, it was an action-packed nil-nil, and don't let the scoreline take away from the game. It was extremely entertaining. Um, coming into this match, Empoli had won five of their last eight Serie A meetings with Bologna, losing just one in the process. One second, because I'm going to start coughing. <laughs> okay. Now, play by play. In the first half, Arnautovic smacked the crossbar with a long-ranged dipping thunderbolt. And in the second half, Di Francesco hit the post with a curling effort from just outside the area. I've decided instead of goals, I'm going to put posts in there. Now, <laughs> Bologna had 60% ball possession. Bologna had 12 shots to Empoli's 15. Empoli seemed to get closer to scoring, in my opinion. They had many chances and they, they mm-hmm. did pretty well. 15 crosses by Bologna this game, many of them wasteful. Mihailovic preferred Vignato to Dykes as his wing-back, and he made the observation that due to Vignato's lack of intensity, he's not used to being played in a position where he has to contribute defensively and offensively. Typically, he's given a lot Mm -hmm. of offensive freedom. He doesn't need to track back as much. Um, He said that it affected his decision-making and his final touch in the final third, which was fair enough. You know, I kind of Mm -hmm. thought the same thing as well. Um, Mihailovic said that um, they are not yet at 100%. Um, and they could have. Oh, he's been saying that. He's though, been, hasn't he's he, been for, for a while. while I think the last three games that. for sure. Ugh. Making excuses. He says we could have lost it. Empoli away from home is deadly. He also praised Cassius for his performance, the 19 year old, saying that he just arrived, but he has courage. About Orsolini, it is right for a player to get angry when he comes out because he looked frustrated coming out. Um, Arnautovic's best game, according to Mihailovic. Do you agree? No, absolutely. <laughs> no, man. Like, what's a striker there for us to score goals? Oh, he was good, though. I feel like <laughs> the team didn't play up to him. Yeah, I mean, that, that's uh, more often than not, it's happened this season yeah. with Bologna. I think Arnautovic is kind of like a step above. We could see him at a better team, at maybe a more ambitious team. But definitely not his best game. And I, I mean, how do you rate a striker? by his goals and it's not like he's a conservative striker that should play the ball around he's there to to beat his opponent and score goals so i don't think i think it's rich and i think to be honest it's a bit pretentious to call call this his favorite i think he's just defending his striker who's in a bit of a drought right now that's it you know Mm, potentially, potentially. Um, Andrea Zoli said that his men should be proud to have gone to Bologna stadium, stadium and create 30 attacks. He believes that Bologna can too be satisfied with this point achieved. Here is the newly rele- uh, newly promoted team um, taking shots at Bologna, saying they should be satisfied with a draw against them. That's cool to see. It's fucking brilliant, man. Andrea Zoli knows exactly what he's saying and doing over there. And Empoli took a nice little jump up again. So they're now past Sassuolo. Of course. They were previously in 12th and now they're up to 11th, which is nice to see. I miss them in the top 10, man. They're good, man. I have to say, they're fun to watch. Uh, Zerkovsky played Very really well fun. as well. He missed a fucking sitter at the point, man. Mm-hmm. Henderson played well as always, yeah. man. I really like Henderson. Like, I, I don't see him as, as being a consistent starter for them because he can be a bit moody. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but when he's on, he's on, man. I really enjoyed watching him this game. Yeah, me too. Um, has to be said as well, Aslani is the 19-year-old who came in to fill in the big boots of Victory, and boy, did he do a good job. Um, Andrea Zoli <laughs> did say that it's no, it's no um, coincidence that every time this guy plays, he plays well. He's a very good player as well. So it goes mm-hmm. to show they have quite a pool of talent in this team. For sure, man. He even managed to get a shot away. He had two dribbles completed, 74% pass success rate. Decent performance by Aslani and he even got a yellow card. So yeah. nice way to make his mark. So I do recommend watching the highlights of this game. It was very interesting. Um, a lot of chances, particularly, you know, Pinamonti or Cellini had an attempt. Soriano had an attempt as well. There were quite quite a few, quite a few good chances created. Um, I'm going to quickly conclude this one, bro. Um, Bologna mm-hmm. are in 13th with 28 points, while Empoli have climbed to 11th with 30 points. Fantastic. So the next and last game we're going to be covering doesn't exactly sound entertaining, but it was entertaining. It's Salernitana against Spezia that ended 2-2. So Spezia are on a three-match winning streak and have Serie A's manager of the month. Uh, Spezia have won each of their last four encounters against Salernitana on both Serie A and Serie B. And Spezia also had the chance to beat the same team in the Serie A in the same Serie A season twice for the first time in their history, but failed because they're fucking losing. <laughs> Salernitana, however, won six of their last eight Serie A Bur matches against Spezia, but they failed to beat them this time yet round and this year in general because they're also fucking losers. Now for the play-by-play in the third minute, Verdi scored a lovely free kick with his first attempt for Salernitana. He was discarded by Torino in Serie A and Fenku's Angels in Fanta Grima. <laughs> Good to see him turning things around. In the 12th minute, Manai scored from the spot after a penalty was awarded to Spezia. And moments later, in the 16th minute, Verdi scored another insane free kick. And it's hilarious if you haven't seen this, go watch it because his teammates freak out. Yeah. <laughs> when he scores the second free kick, man, Jesus Christ! His, the scenes are hilarious. The, scene, the players man. are all like grabbing their heads; they can't believe mm. it. It's like Ronaldinho's reaction to Pirlo's goal against Real yeah. when he does the whole uh, the whole slapping his hand thing. Yeah. Um, in the thirtieth minute, Verde, not Verdi, Verde for Spezia scored from the spot. So there wasn't a single goal from open play in this match, which, to be honest, sums both teams up pretty well. Um, Late on in the match, it looked like Amian handled the ball in the box, but the referee waved play on. That was a very, very close one. We could have easily seen that given as a penalty. and We could have seen a victory for Salernitana over there, but that's probably me just hating Spezia. (laughs) Now, Verdi alone was as impactful as Zakaria and Vlaovic together. (laughs) Tell me I'm wrong. (laughs) Tell me I'm wrong. Well, output-wise, you're, you're absolutely <laughs> right, my friend. They have a new striker, no? Um, Salernitana, they have a new team, of course. Uh, Muset. Muset? Mm-hmm. He wasn't, wasn't great. Diego Costa deal didn't, it didn't go through. Go through. I'm so upset. That's so disappointing. There man. would have been Diego Super Costa, Ribery, Verdi. Oh, my God. They brought in what Sepe, kind of, like who has benched Belich, by the way, which I think is harsh. He's been really good, Belich. I've I, I I thought that Belic has been the only high point for Salernitana for this entire season. I think he's had some good games. Um, I don't know. Maybe bringing someone that's eager to play again in Serie A and just testing him out a couple of times when you're last, you know, it's, you could try this shit out. But 
Szepe is a good keeper. I don't mind Szepe. I just think Belic doesn't deserve to be benched yeah. more than yeah. anything. Man. Um, it was interesting to see in the 65th minute they brought on Perotti, Salernitana, of course. Mm-hmm. And in the 68th minute, Spezia brought on Agudelo. And it was like the the battle of the jollies, the battle of the wild cards. Perotti was trying mm-hmm. to create on one side, Agudelo was trying to create on the other. And I must say, Agudelo is on form right now. He's a demon. Agudelo, since the Milan yeah. game, I feel he's been, he's been he's launched. Been on 23 years old. Huh? Mm-hmm. I mean, he... We might see not better bad. from them. Mm-hmm. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. I think both teams have somewhat improved. I think Spezia obviously coming off a, a three-match winning streak and now they have a draw. That's four matches unbeaten for Spezia. Mm. Quite good for them. They they have a bit of leeway. Uh, they're eight points from safety with a game in hand. So I would say pretty fucking safe. They're safer than Sampdoria. Um, Salernitana are last three points behind Genoa but have a game in hand but they have improved slightly since they've brought on Verdi and, and you know they changed things around a little bit and got Colin Tuono on board but they're going to need a massive improvement man to to get out of that relegation zone and to be honest I think they'll remain dead last they're, they're the weakest link for sure um, they have a new team you know it would take a miracle and it would really be an amazing story that yeah, if, if Salernitana survive I'm writing an article <laughs> oh, we could get our guy. Oh, we can get our boy. It's true, it's true. He's insane, yeah. guys. Please check it out. The untold story of Venezia. It's brilliant. It is great. It is great. Okay, bro. Shall we jump to the questions? We have exactly <clears throat> three minutes until the Milan game starts. Oh my god! Yes, all right. So let's fucking go. I got a question. Uh, I got a question. So welcome back to our question segment. To drop a question, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at Seria Spotlight. Let's get down to it. The first question comes from our boy Beppe Darmanin, who asks, Milan wins a derby without their starting centre-backs. Once again, Maldini and co. made the right call when they decided not to sign a defender during the January transfer window. What do you think, brother? I still don't think it's the right call. I think Milan got away with it. I think um, maybe it says more about what Milan do on the training pitch rather than, you know what I mean, rather than the personnel needed to fill in the roles. But I definitely think that this was a match where perhaps Milan would have gotten away with it. But, you know, longevity-wise, maybe we'll see in two, three games, we'll see the same two players slipping up. So I still think that Milan needs some reinforcements within those areas. I still don't think that those two look as stable as I would like together. But like I said, man, Milan had a had a good enough performance to get away with it this time round. I think they had a good enough performance to get away with it. But, you know, I, I would still like to see a Botman or an Eric Bali coming in on board. I think what they did was smart. They knew that they couldn't get a caliber center back of like a center back of the caliber of like Botman or Bremer mm. right now. So what mm. did they do? They just stuck with their guns and they'll splash big. In the next um, window, in the in the summer window. Uh-huh. Um, in yeah. that case, I agree. Yes. I think they got it right. I think they got it right. The next question comes from our boy Luke Mintoff, who asks, "Who who would you consider is the most underrated signing in January?" Oh, that's a good question. It is a very good um, question. most I mean... underrated signing. 
Perhaps, yeah, potentially. Conte went under the radar. Conte went under the radar. Just an injury-prone yeah. right back leaving Milan to Sampdoria. I think he'll definitely do bits over there. Sure, and the price was pretty good for them too. So that, that mm -hmm. could be a good shout. Also, bro, perhaps Boga. And no one talks about the Boga signing. That's true. That's Boga true. Could, be a, signing, he could be a killer for them. Um, also, potentially Lazetic, you know, for Milan, the striker. I was going to say Lazetic, I just didn't want to play the Milan card, yeah. you know what I mean? He's, again, under the radar, everyone's like, oh, Milan signed no one, Milan signed no one. Actually, you're wrong, Milan signed Lazetic, bro, okay? And that's that's an Fucking interesting right. one. So we'll see, we'll right see how he performs. I feel like he'll have to play at some point this season. Um, with Zlatan's injury record and Giroud, you know, playing twice a week, Lazetic will have to play. Definitely. definitely. And Pioli is definitely the kind of manager to plug these people in, you know? Yeah, <clears throat> exactly, exactly. The next question comes from Andrew Sant Fournier, our boy Santi. He asks, <laughs> we've already discussed this briefly, um, could Salernitana beat the drop after this Galactico front line they have built? Also, looks <laughs> like Spezia are going to be safe. Um, I don't know. Has a team ever been relegated with 26 points? <coughs> well... Salentana are going down yeah. and Spezia will more than likely stay up. That, that's my answer. I mean, I, I think the way the league is shaping up now gives us a great indication of what's going to happen, you know, till, mm -hmm. till the end of the season. I think it'll take a lot for Salernitana, not because they're Salernitana, because they are getting better. But the fact that Genoa and Cagliari got so much better... Then that's going to make it even tougher for Salernitana. And for I think sure. for that reason, they face the drop. They're not the only team that has improved, unfortunately. So, yes, um, I, I tend to agree that Salernitana will also go down. Now, bro, I believe you have two questions. Yep, so the first question is from my boy Carl Gatt, Garl Cut on Instagram. Um, he asks, will Morata adapt well to his new role or will he be phased out after Vlaovic's arrival? Um, we kind of did go over this mm -hmm. a little bit, but what do you think, bro? Um, he certainly won't be phased out. I think Allegri likes him. And to be honest, he has a new lease of life on the way. He's playing better. Yep, I think I think there's there's a bit of a... We're seeing more of a work rate from him on the wing. Well, at least we're seeing it come out more. Um, he gets to show off his strength a little bit more. His passing, his finishing isn't a strong point. So I think, yeah, I, I think Morata's a new look player on the left-hand side. Um, the next question comes from Jamie Dent. Very good question over here. So he said... Recently, Rooney came out and said how he started drinking plenty of alcohol at around 30 years old onwards to cope with the pressure from football and media. This damaged his performance. Have there been any similar cases in Serie A? If not, you can look back on any players who you think may have had similar issues. So, of course, Adriano, when his father died, had um, problems with <coughs> alcoholism and it kind of ruined his career as well. He gained a lot of weight. And eventually he was forced out of the Inter team due to, you know, bad mentality, bad physical health. Like, so that kind of mm -hmm. ruined him too. Maradona is one of the players that seemed totally unfazed by it. He is, he is said to have, well, he's, he said himself actually that he used to drink a bottle of whiskey every night. Now, mm -hmm. a bottle of whiskey every night is a mental... Like, Isn't a habit, you know, you know what it, I mean? It's, it's, it's an fucked. addiction. It's fucked, like... I, I don't know how he would go to training the next day. Like, a bottle of whiskey in the, in the evening and you go and run the next day. Are you mm. mental? Like, how mm. the hell? Bear in mind, that he, he was on that coke as well. Of course. Maradona. Yes, yes. So, th th that was probably his coping mechanisms in the morning. Life like, is like... 
la, la, la. <laughs> it's like fucked up dancing um, my main one that i wanted to mention was adriano i think adriano is is the most disappointing when it comes to the ceiling that he had and just the caliber of a footballer that he was and just the you know the dreadful drop that's happened in his career obviously he had a very close relationship to his father and once his father passed away he fell into a deep 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 depression yeah. it was actually zanetti who came out and said that his biggest defeat in his career was not being able to help adriano out of that depression yeah. so adriano turned into alcohol turned to alcohol rather um it turned <laughs> into a gin and tonic <laughs> <laughs> um he'd show up the train I have- drunk yeah. And um, cameras would pick him up wobbling all over the place and Inter's manager would come out and say that he was injured so he'd have a problem with his meniscus or something of the sort. And after that, he had spells in Brazil. He, he had loan spells in Italy as well and his career just fell out. And I saw images of him recently. Apparently, he's still not in a great place. He's hanging out with the wrong crowd, drinking alcohol, doing drugs. So... I certainly hope that this wasn't accurate and, and that he's he's found some peace of mind now. I have another one. A Cherby, bro. A Cherby, really? When, when A was with Milan, he had mm. kind of an existential crisis. It was like nothing, okay. nothing seemed to stimulate him whatsoever and he, he couldn't get going. He had lost like his way. And then, now this is what he, he had turned to alcohol as well. Like he was drinking a lot. He said, I drank everything. That's what he said. Um, Jesus. Then he got cancer in his balls. <laughs> and, and he said that it's... Bro, it's, can you please say testicular cancer? He got, like... he got cancer in his balls, man. He got cancer he got in his testicular balls. testicular cancer. And... It's the same thing. He got cancer in his <laughs> liver. He got liver cancer. Okay, go on, go on. Um, he said, cancer saved me. He said, cancer saved me. That's and, nothing I've ever heard yeah, before. And he went to Sassuolo and kind of, you know, he, he beat it. Finally, he said, there's something <laughs> I can beat over here. He quit drinking and he made quite a career for himself as well. He said he always wanted to be called up by the national team. And he was. He was. He played for mm-hmm. it. He's played for Italy. So big success. Well done, Natriabi. <laughs> He's a gem. Hopefully things will look better for him at Lazio soon. Yes. So that's everything on my end. Yep, everything from my end as well. Thank you guys for tuning in. I have no idea how long this one is, but I can assure you it's fucking long. It's too long. Um, Way too long. Um, But tune in. I'm sure you guys will have a blast listening to it and and keeping up to date, particularly before this weekend's fixtures. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Apple Play, YouTube, wherever. Our website, say uh, spotlight.com. Uh, and honestly, guys, read that Venezia article. Yeah. It's actually nuts. Um, you learn a thing or two. Like, did you know that their stadium is small because of a uh, tornado? So yeah. tune in and have a look.